to fear, where terror is homegrown. Join us as we take a drive down dusty back roads and discover the obscure and dark history of this country, human and otherwise, that lurk in your backyard. back to state of fear podcast i'm your host chris and with me is my good friend james hey man what's up everybody hey man so today's episode is going to be on the state of illinois the illinois home of the bears i the know Cubs, the cubs the white Sox, and my favorite place your favorite place which is metropolis wait 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 wait, wait. metropolis is in superman metropolis well kind of so you're saying you're saying metropolis is based on a city in illinois or is there an actual city called metropolis there is an actual town called metropolis is that right they even have a superman of the year contest they have the big giant 15 foot statue in the in the town square Uh and they also have several museums dedicated to the man of steel really so now unfortunately I haven't been there yet. Wait, wait. You're like the biggest Superman fan that I know. How have you not been there? Well, when I was up there to see my son graduate from the Naval uh, Boot Camp at uh, Great Lakes, we tried to go there, but the Army Corps of Engineers at the time had to release the levees on the Mississippi, and they flooded several of the lower-lying plains, and it blocked the highways. And it was it really what really that sucked sucks, about man. it. Yeah, what really stunk about it is because it was only taking us one hour out of the way to go home to go there and see that. And but you're I, so close. But I will get there. When was that? That was about eight years ago now. Jeez. Oh wow. Okay. So you need to make another trip up to Illinois to yeah, see this. Huh? My boy did uh, six years in the Navy. Okay. And he's out now. But yeah. About eight years ago. And so when you say Superman of the Year, what does that mean? Every year, that's like a you know, it's a Mr. Superman. They have a guy that they have all these guys dress up in Superman outfits. Oh, okay. And whoever's the best one acts the best, I guess, you know, nerds it up the best. Does okay. Whatever. So it's like a cosplay yeah. contest. Then. Yeah, something okay. like that. I wasn't sure if it was that or if it was like where they honor one person who like did the most charity a year or something, but it's no, an actual cosplay contest. But I okay. think they do that. They make appearances and do stuff like that. Cool. That's I haven't really read too much into that part, but. I I am very interested in going there one day because they do have one Superman museum that has over 75,000 oh, wow. pieces that you can go see. So that's kind of like your Graceland. Yeah. Yeah. Cause and they, I've been to Graceland. So, but, it's, but it's not your actual Graceland. But your Graceland you, is in Metropolis. My Graceland in Metropolis, Illinois, and I haven't even been there, damn it. Wow, that's I, awesome. I'll get there. Now, when you go, would you like dress up in cosplay? If I was skinny enough, yes. Okay, but all right. Let's, let's say let's say you go next year and you're not skinny enough. I know I know you'd rather go as Superman, but if you couldn't, but you can go as another character from the comic series, who would you go as? Mister Incredible. Mister Incredible. Before he comes out of retirement. What are you talking about um, <laughs> from the Incredibles? That's not DC though. I know it isn't. No, I'm talking I'm just about kidding. Superman universe, man. Well, with my size and my build, Doomsday. I was just thinking that, actually, yeah. I just put a doomsday mask on and walk around. 
Which which makes sense because if you cannot be Superman, even though you want to, be the one character that actually has killed him. Has well killed each other, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, knocked each other into a Kryptonian coma is how I like to put it. Right, right. Yes, when the comic originally was released, yes, it did come out. He would, they were dead. They both died. Whatever. Mm-hmm. I get it. But then all the Superman fans raised all oh, holy hell. They brought him back, and they had to. They had yeah, to, I know, remember that come. whole storyline was was ridiculous. <laughs> it was terrible with the four different colors and then oh different, god, yeah. yeah, it was terrible. Well, let's get into something actually more along the lines of our topic. Absolutely. Okay, so uh, today's episode is going to be a doubleheader. A twofer. Two for the price of one. We are covering the Murfreesboro Muddy Monster and the Enfield Horror. Yes, and I am glad we are because, like I said, when I gave you the research for the Mud Monster to look into it and see if you'd like to do it, I know that, uh, you know, it wasn't a whole lot. So I am really, really glad you dug this one up because I had not heard of the Enfield Horror and I'm looking forward to learning about it. And see, I I had heard of the infield horror before. Um, I think I'd heard inklings of the Murfreesboro monster. I don't remember him being called the Muddy Monster, but uh, I think when most people think of infield, at least those that are into the paranormal and or supernatural, they think of the infield poltergeist, which is a great topic and has been researched multiple times and has a lot of great research out there. But that is a UK story. And we stick to the Jolly good old, old England. Yeah, we stick to the good old U.S. of A. That is correcto. So we are covering, unless of course our news stories, of course, carry outside oh, yeah. the borders. Those they're, are worldwide. They, they know rules there. No, those could be wherever <laughs> they get, they can be from Mars. Who knows? You know. As a matter of fact, today's story is from the U.K. Oh, there we go. Look at that synchronicity. Synchronicity. All right. Well, what do you say before we get into the main story? Let's get into the weird news of the day. I got a weird one today, and I don't even know how I'm going to get through this one, brother. All right. Well, let's see, let's see what you got for us, James. Oh, no. This... Wait a minute. I just saw the title. Oh, Lord. This is this is awesome. This is no kidding, folks, and I am sorry. Not really. No, he's not. You're not sorry. I'm, I'm telling you, this one, I just busted out laughing because, you know, a lot of times on this show yeah, and the, in the episodes we've done, we've talked about a lot of, of uh, subjects that are real downers. You know, they're, they... You know, true crime stories and stuff that we've done, they're interesting, but they're sad. So every once in a while, I like to do something to lift the spirit a little bit. Okay. Like we did the goat story on a previous oh, episode yeah, that I thought was cool. Yeah, that was Loving great. when animals take over. Yeah. This one here takes animals to a whole different level. Okay. <laughs> Let's hear it. This is from The Sun. A This article is actually... Uh, I don't even know how to go about this. Don't know this. how to go start it. This is going to be funny as hell. Okay. It's from a paper called The Sun in the UK. The name of today's article, should I say weird news of the day, and this is extraordinarily weird news. Yes, it is. It's called Spank the Monkey. <laughs> the ghost of a masturbating ape haunts the hallways of a grand country estate in Dorset. 
Okay, let's just now, let's just say let's give him the title of weirdest <laughs> ghost ever. Okay. This is this definitely is probably the weirdest news yet or I ever. Mean, some of the some of the news we've had before on the previous episodes has been you know pretty darn strange. But this some of it not so strange, but this one here, this one's the uh, front runner for quite a while. But anyway, the story goes. The haunted Athelhampton Hall is a popular wedding venue with romantic spook hunters. It's a wedding hall? Apparently. Oh, my God. Be a hell of a guest to have at the wedding, wouldn't it, brother? (laughs) The ghost of a randy monkey haunts the halls of a grand English country estate where romantic spook hunters flock to tie the knot. Titillated tourists can often hear the saucy specter laughing while masturbating in the Athelhampton Hall in Dorset near Dorchester. So not only does he masturbate, but he laughs He's while <laughs> masturbating. He's a wacky kind of guy this there, is Chris. the greatest <laughs> monkey ever. <laughs> the estate is considered one of the most haunted in the UK. Always a good thing. Always. And the spooky venue even has soul-searching couples clamoring to have their weddings held there in the hopes of having the pervy primate appear in the background of their pictures. Oh, my gosh. Really? Wow. Wow. The lovable apes' afterlife antics have helped the hall to be named as one of the most haunted houses in England after being listed on We Buy Any Homes list of the nine most ghostly properties. That's a weird number. Nine most? That's one nine out of ten. most. Just do ten. The 15th century house was originally built by the Martin family, whose crest featured an excited monkey sitting on a tree stump. <laughs> Wow. Oh, my God. Oh, Lord have mercy. The estate's motto was, he who looks at Martin's ape, Martin's ape will look at him. So weird. Spank you, Spanky Helperton. Thank you very much. That's right. And ever since, the horny ghost of Martin's monkey has haunted the sprawling country pile, making it a go-to destination for curious phantom fanatics. Now, I'm going to interject for two seconds here before I continue this story. Who in the hell would want... You know what? I take that back. I, don't, I think I would even go and get uh, a kick uh-huh. out of this shit. That that last <laughs> sentence made it sound like a parody of, like, Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Carswell. The, your monkey's masturbating all over the gold. Uh, that's ridiculous. One tourist, dad of three, John Morrison, 41, from Derby, who took his entire family to the estate, spoke excitedly about the spanking spook. Spanking spook. See, best. they're trying to, trying to trip me up here. That is a great name for a band. Go he on. said, and I quote, We heard that Martin the monkey who haunts the house loves to scratch his privates while swinging around. Nobody said nothing about scratching. Uh, that's that's what they call it back then, I guess. Or, I guess. or they call it over there, scratching the privates. And also quoted, we didn't see him, which is a shame, because it would have been a real sight. Yeah, I bet. Mm-hmm. Apparently, he's not terrifying. Quite friendly is what we've heard. According to the local legend, the unconventional Martin family did have a pet ape, which was free to wander the halls. And when one of the Martin's daughters had an unhappy love affair and decided to kill herself, the compassionate monkey began following her around. Weird. Jeez. Yeah, that's weird. Now, wait a minute. Uh-huh. Following her around after she decided to kill herself? Yeah. Oh, maybe she hadn't done it yet and the monkey was following her around. Right. She decided to talk her she out. Had, yeah. I got it. She wait, cla- wait, wait, did you say that he followed her around and tried to talk her out of it? You're saying the <laughs> monkey was talking to her? To- hey, it... Go on. Let's go on. (laughs) Let's go on with it. All right. When she climbed a set of hidden stairs to a secret room, the ape trailed behind and watched as she took her own life with the door bolted. Poor monkey. 
By the time the family's search of the house and grounds eventually located the room, the ape had starved to death next to her body. Oh, oh poor baby. That sucks. You know, poor ape. But you know what? Loyalty in animals, man, I'm telling you, they're better than humans. But now its ghost haunts the halls, often scratching at the paneling of the secret room and staircase in an eternal frantic attempt to escape. Bless its heart. But the monkey is not alone. The house is reputed to have six other ghosts, all human. Now, where did they come from? Okay, that sounds like a reality show. It does. Six ghosts, six, six human ghosts. ghosts, and a monkey ghost. Six ghosts and a monkey. We need to make that happen. <laughs> Sci-fi, make it happen. That's right. We want credit, we want the rights, and we want to do the narration. And I want to be the monkey. Go on. Athelhampton has long been known as a haunted spot and featured on TV's Most Haunted in 2002. Is there anybody here? Oh, Lord. Oh, my God. I know you remember that one. I do. Derek, always choking to death. God bless him. Yeah. Rest, rest in peace, Derek. I know he died. Yeah. He passed away here a little while back. Anyway, moving on. Moving on. There has been a structure on site since Saxon times. Andrea Cook, who has lived in the house with her family for more than 20 years, said she had witnessed, quote, all sorts of odd and inexplicable things. But while many have a rational explanation, she said, quote, there are always some which do not. The most recent was a dark hooded figure which rushed past one of our cleaners. On first sighting, she assumed she had imagined it, but ten minutes later it came towards her again, up the old servant's staircase, and hurried past her into the bathroom. Maybe it guess was he a, had to go. He had, you gotta go, you gotta go. I guess so. She was terribly excited about it, having never witnessed such a thing. What this was makes no sense at all. It is a figure our youngest son has seen on a couple of occasions, but the cleaner was unaware of this at the time. Creepy. Despite all this, it was an amazing place to live. It's a beautiful home. We are all happy here, and generally it has a lovely atmosphere in spite of the stories. But on the odd occasion when something does occur, and I must stress, it is only occasionally, it reminds you that there are some things which are beyond our understanding. Yes, like a masturbating monkey. That's that's beyond my understanding for sure. <sighs> that's crazy. A spokesperson from We Buy Any Homes said, <laughs> I would love to <laughs> love see that. this. We buy any homes. Okay, you you said it yourself, right? Now, what are there any problems with the home? Yeah, I would just, I would just, I, I love to see the look on on the realtor's face when he gets that call, and the person on the line tells him, uh, "Yeah, we also have the ghost of a masturbating monkey." Just the look on the person's face, like, "Okay, we'll buy it. That's fine. We'll buy it." Yes. <laughs> so, whether you believe in ghosts or not, it's undeniable that in some places, for whatever reason, just gives us the creeps. Whether it is the old-fashioned decor, the eerie silence that hangs over the property, or the footsteps on the landing in the, in the dead of night, some properties give the feeling that they may be occupied by something or someone else. Like a monkey. Like a monkey. Andrea said that when her sons were younger, their friends refused to sleep over at <laughs> and all because of doors being agitated. Figures at the end of the of the bed. Figures stood in doorways. The sound of rapid footsteps. <laughs> Something else rapid going on there too. Backwards. <laughs> Backwards and forwards in your bedroom. Uh, I'm thinking is this. <laughs> yeah, those, that's what I'm hearing. Like Sunny, those aren't footsteps that are being uh, being done rapidly. All right, brother. Now that is the end of the story. Now I I know you know during the. Uh, the editing process and all this. Not, the many times I busted up trying to do this. That's, oh my that's, gosh. <laughs> that, that was the greatest story you ever 
have brought or ever will bring because nothing will top the spank the monkey, the masturbating monkey. That is, <laughs> spank great. the monkey. I love it. And the fact that he's a ghost. Not, it, it, it'd be funny enough <laughs> if he was just a masturbating monkey in a castle. But then the fact that he's a a masturbating ghost monkey. That That's just something I've never – we've been doing paranormal for how long? Years. Like a decade, at least. Yeah, together. Yeah, and then and I know you studied it even longer than that. You I mean, used I've to read studied about it all my life, and it wasn't even really get serious until like two thousand. But I've never ever I've heard never of this. Ever heard of a masturbating ghost monkey? It's fantastic. I love this. This is hilarious. If I'm somebody, going. To, I'm going to this damn house if I ever get over there. If any of our listeners wants to draw some art of the masturbating monkey, please email it to us. <laughs> Stand up your podcast at gmail.com. I want to see your interpretations of Martin the masturbating monkey. What are you talking about? This is a serious show, sir. This is a serious we... show, but this this serious show is got a masturbating sh- monkey, and that's well, hilarious. I love it. I love it. Well, if I can get a if I can get a spectral image of him, I might put it in the feed. That works for me. Yeah, that'd be that's great. Okay, so now we move on from masturbating monkeys to a whole different type of horror. <laughs> now, if you're going to keep saying that, I'm going to keep thinking of it. I, just, I can't help with that. That story was, you get the gold star award for the best story ever, James. But it was like, <laughs> It was great. I love it. I loved it. I loved it. Okay. Oh, jeez. So, now, um, the information for tonight's episode came from a large variety of sources. I'm not going to name them here, but I will put them in the show notes so you'll find them there. Let's just okay. So the two creatures we're covering tonight are, like I said, are the Murfreesboro Muddy Monster and the Infield Horror. Both took place in 1973 within a time frame of about four months, and were about 70 miles from each other. And the odd thing is that the description of both are completely different. Yeah, I did notice that. But it's very interesting that they both happen so close to each other within the same time frame. And normally you would expect the descriptions to match if if you know it was the same creature, but apparently Illinois had two completely different creatures running around their backwoods in 1973 at the same time. Same That's right. Time. So, on the evening of April 25th, 1973, a young boy named Greg Garrett was playing in his backyard. His evening playtime, however, would soon be interrupted by a monstrosity called the Enfield Horror. His parents were inside watching TV and enjoying the spring night when suddenly Greg burst in through the door to tell them an incredible story. Crying and hysterical, Greg told his parents that a monster, about four or five feet tall, not as tall as a Bigfoot, so not a Bigfoot creature, ran past him while he was playing in the backyard. He said it was gray with slimy skin, had big red eyes, short little arms with claws, and three legs. Now, that is a weird description because three legs. Now, I have seen some of the photos that we, we um, during the research, yeah. I've seen some of the photos, and it looks like that two-legged, it, it almost looks like the two-legged pig lizard from Galaxy Quest. Yeah. The, the if, artist, I'm pick, if I'm trying to pick something The artist rendition looks like, looks like that yeah. for sure. Yeah. It's very strange looking. When the monster ran past him, it stepped on his feet and tore through his shoes with its claws. Ouch. Yeah. Thankfully, it didn't hurt the boy, though. Good. While Greg's parents were deciding whether or not he was telling the truth, Garrett's neighbor would have their own encounter with the horror. Henry McDaniel and his wife came home about 9.30 p.m. to find their two children, Henry Jr. and Little, freaking out. 
They told them that something was scraping on the outside of the house trying to get in. Henry Sr. had no time to dismiss their tale for he suddenly heard a scratching sound coming from the outside. He grabbed his pistol and ran outside and came face to face with the horror. Dun, dun, dun. dun, dun, dun. I had to throw that one in, sorry. So, <laughs> <laughs> Senior McDaniel's description to the police of the monster matched that of Greg Garrett's. Quote, it had three legs on it, a short body, two little short arms coming out of its breast area, and two pink eyes as big as flashlights. It stood four and a half feet tall and was grayish color. It was trying to get into the house. After the initial shock wore off, Senior opened fire at the creature, and he was sure that he hit it. However, it seemed that the shot had no effect on the monster, as the monster hissed like a wildcat and jumped away, covering a distance of 75 feet in three hops, and disappeared by nearby railroad tracks. Possible alien creature? Possible alien creature. Since the hopping also reminds me of uh, Spring-Hill Jack, another UK yeah. Uh, creature. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Senior McDaniel called the police department, but Illinois State Troopers came out to investigate instead. Their investigation found scratch marks on the outside of McDaniel's home, which appeared fresh, as well as a set of three footprints with prominent claw marks, but little else. Okay. Now, pardon my interjection here, but if you call the local police and the state troopers come in, that tells me they've they've automatically escalated it to a higher authority, Mm -hmm. which means they probably were already chasing this thing or knew of its existence. Or they had already had had a few calls prior to McDaniels. And at that point, since they had a certain number of calls, they went ahead and escalated. Since it's a state police jurisdiction, I guess, maybe if they were on the case, that's why they showed up instead. But you're right. If you get the state troopers out instead. I just find that weird that you call the local police, but the state troopers came instead, but with no other explanation. So I'm just wondering, like I said, if they already knew it was, and they're like, oh, hell, here we go again. And I think it's it's awesome that they actually found, you know, some... Uh, evidence they found you know yeah uh, footprints and claw marks i mean that's that great is, that is very cool the footprints were about four inches wide with the third print slightly smaller than the other two in the following days mcdaniel would tell his story to anyone that would listen and soon self-appointed monster hunters began to swarm enfield the sudden influx of these hunters quote-unquote caused white county sheriff roy posher jr to threaten mcdaniel with jail time if he continued to tell his story okay now why would why would he do that? Threaten, yeah. I'm going to get to that. Some of these monster hunters further fueled the frenzy of monster rumors with bizarre sightings of their own. Two hunters from Indiana by the names of Mike Mogul and Roger Tappy claimed to have seen what they described as a large, quote, gray monkey dashing through the underbrush, which had moved too quickly for them to get a good shot out. But no, it's not the masturbating monkey. It's a whole different thing. <laughs> In another incident, five hunters were arrested for hunting violations and as a threat to public safety after they opened fire in unison on what they would later claim had been a gray, hairy creature they had spotted in the woods. That's why he threatened McDaniel to stop, because these crazy, crazy people with guns were coming through this small town and just firing at anything. That's true. Kind of like the silver, the Stephen King silver bullet mob. Yes, exactly. Where every, where every redneck in the town that had right. a shotgun was out there in the forest in the mob. Exactly, that's exactly yeah. right. And, this, and that, was now, a, that was a threat to public safety. Now, tell me something else here. All of a sudden, the creature's appearance has changed, because when the boys saw it, it was a slick. Right. Now it's hairy. But both of these um, sightings by the hunters both indicated that it was too fast for them to get a good look at. So, you know, if they're looking at it and it's very fast, they probably just assume that it was hairy. Hairy or perhaps another one of the same kind of creature. Perhaps the shiny sheen that Garrett had seen 
in the moonlight, you know, in, in a very fast motion could look like hair. I guess so. Yeah. yeah. The hunters even claimed to have hit it, but that their bullets had no effect whatsoever, much like McDaniel. The hiss. Yeah. I'm not, I thought I'd do the hiss for That's you. Perfect. I love it. The sheriff didn't believe a word of it and considered them to be just a posse of gun-toting thrill-seekers, which they were, quote, out drinking and raising hell. Something tells me the sheriff has encountered this creature... It scared the crap out of him, so he's just playing. He's uh, playing the denial card, you I know, guess. To play your conspiracy card, what if he was told by the state troopers not to let anybody catch this thing? Possibly, or even state troopers. They could even be higher, or the they could be Illinois, feds. Illinois, they could be yeah. feds in Illinois. You know, the, you well, never know. The, the Illinois Bureau of Investigation. Yeah. Here we go, man. On Sunday, May sixth, Rick Rainbow, great name, the <laughs> then director of radio station WWKI in Kokomo, Indiana was in town to search for the monster with some friends and claimed to have seen a five-and-a-half-foot gray stooped-over creature. Okay, the creature's getting bigger now. It's getting bigger. Now, again, uh, Garrett, even though he's a child... I guess he did he, say four He said to... four to five. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And uh, McDaniel Sr. said it was about four-and-a-half. So it, it's within you. the range. Okay. Yeah. Running through the woods by the McDaniel's home. The creature moved at an unnatural speed, but Rainbow has claimed to have captured the creature's eerie shriek on tape, but later lost the tape. Fabulous. I know, great. Senior McDaniel would see the monster one last time that same day, May 6th. Senior McDaniel woke up late in the night to the neighbor's dogs barking and went to investigate. When he went outside, there was the creature walking down the nearby infield railroad tracks. Senior McDaniel watched silently as the creature walked out of sight, and that was the last time the infield horror was seen. Over a month later, and 70 miles to the southwest in the town of Murfreesboro. A strange monster called the Mud Monster would follow the example set by the infield horror. Its appearance would be brief but unforgettable for its residents. The first encounter with the Murfreesboro Mud Monster occurred on June 25, 1973 by Randy Needham and Judy Johnson. That night they were parked near a boat ramp on the Big Muddy River at about midnight when suddenly an incredibly loud scream rang out. Was it a monkey? I think it was a monkey. Oh, boy. Coming from the nearby woods, shattering the stillness of the night. As Needham and Johnson looked in the direction of the scream, they saw it. The creature made itself known. They described it as an estimated 7 feet tall and 350 pounds. A terrifying sight covered with light-colored fur, which was matted with mud, and had glowing pink eyes, and it was coming straight at them. The couple quickly started the car and left the area. Now, I will interject at this point. Okay. In most horror movies, the car never starts. Yeah, thankfully it's real life. In real thankfully life... Thankfully it's real life, the car actually starts and they got the hell out. Unless the car is a junker, it starts usually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, let's also uh, make note of the fact that this thing was at least two feet taller than the Enfield Horror. And, and lighter in color and furry. And weighed a whole lot more. Yeah. I mean, I don't, there, there was never any weight associated with the infield, but from the size, it didn't seem like it was 350 pounds. No telling. They immediately drove to the police department to report what they had seen. Naturally, the police were skeptical, but in the end, they sent two officers, Merrill Lindsay and Jimmy Nash, to the scene to look for any evidence. They found footprints, big footprints, some 12 inches long. Now, wait a minute. I've got bigger feet than that. You, you have bigger than 12 I have, a thir- size 12? I have a size 13 foot. That's huh. basically 13. So, yeah, 12 inches. Well, I think the average foot's like a 9, so 12 is still kind of big. I guess. While inspecting the footprints found, James Nash reportedly heard, quote, the most incredible shriek that was no bobcat or screech owl, 
The same shrieking that Needham and Johnson reported and heard what sounded like a large creature splashing through the water but were not able themselves to glimpse it. No other sightings would be reported that night. Christian Barrow was playing in his backyard the very next night, June 26. The four-year-old boy came bolting into the house telling his parents that he had seen a big white ghost. Once again, while his parents contemplated whether they should believe the boy, their neighbors would be paid a visit by the creature. You seen the uh, the synchronicity going on here, the similarities yeah. between the two different stories? I am indeed. Ten minutes after Christian's sighting, neighbors Randy Creeth and Cheryl Ray were on their back porch enjoying the night air when they saw the monster for themselves. Randy and Cheryl would describe the monster the exact same way Christian did to his parents. Randy, 17, was the son of a state trooper and even sketched the creature for the officers. According to Randy, he was as tall as that tree... It took me 15 minutes to get scared, but then it really hit me. The thing I remembered was the bulk of it, the shape, the human form, and the stench of the river slime it apparently had on it. It was about 8 feet tall and at least as stocky as a New York football player. All the New York football players come from Texas. That's right. Texas, boy. We were within 15 feet of it, close enough to see the body, the texture of the fur, long and hairy, like an English sheepdog. It was at that point that police chief Toby Berger ordered his entire 14-man force out for a night-long search. Dog trainer Jerry Nellis brought his 80-pound German Shepherd Reb out to aid the search. Reb would find gobs of black slime, like sewage sludge, on a direct line between the river and the Ray house. Reb would lead officers to an abandoned barn, but upon entering they found nothing, and that would be the last sighting of 1973. Two years later, 1975. It returns. The creature would be seen in the Harrison area north of Murfreesboro. So he's territorial, at least. He's definitely has some sort of migrating. But a two-year two-year two gap, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Later that year, two chuckers claimed to have seen it west of Murfreesboro at the junction of highways 149 and 3. Also that same year, Tom Hill, Grand Tower restaurant owner, displayed the plaster cast of an extraordinarily large, peculiarly shaped footprint in his restaurant. He told inquiring visitors that the cast had been brought in by a Boy Scout group and had been made from tracks in the Oakwood Bottoms, a swampy, spooky area along Highway 3 near Grand Tower and not too far from the above-mentioned junction of Highway 3 and 149. As Hale was known as a practical joker, some of the viewers scoffed and called it a fake. Of course they do. Well, you know, he's a practical joker, so sometimes you yeah. can't believe him. Yeah, yeah, man, you're full of crap. Also, in 1975, the Miller Carnival was set up in Riverside Park, not too far from the previous sighting of the monster. This sounds like a good setup for a horror movie. It really does. Here. It really does, yeah. <laughs> the ponies used for riding by the youngsters who came to the park were tethered to bushes on the riverbank. Suddenly, the ponies shied, rolled their eyes, and raised their heads in an effort to pull free of their ropes. Three carnival workers, Otis Norris, Ray Atkerson, and Wesley Lavender, walked around the truck, and right there, standing upright in the darkness, was what they described as a three to 400-pound creature growling fearsomely. Sounds like me when I'm hungry. Or at three in the morning. Yeah. Well, I'm between three and 400 pounds, and I have a size 13 foot. You are a you are the muddy monster, my friend. <laughs> and with your beard growing, you can just, you know, yeah, you're, just you're let it there. keep going. Yep. That's right. The workers retreated and sounded the alarm. Townspeople and outsiders stalked the area with loaded guns, forcing the authorities to close the park. The carnival had an alarm? Uh, probably, yeah. Maybe like a fire alarm, maybe, you know? <laughs> Who knows? Maybe, maybe somebody just, just one of those uh, hand crank alarms, you know? <laughs> a newspaper reporter commented that as southern Illinois is a hunting country and hunters own guns, 
If the creature was human, it or he was likely to come to harm if the whole affair was a hoax. About the same time, two youths near the McIlvain School on the outskirts of North Murfreesboro reported seeing it while gigging frogs along the Big Muddy River. And a logger near Cairo, at the extreme southern tip of the state where the Ohio and Mississippi rivers converge, reported seeing a monster along the Ohio River levee. The monster made another appearance in 1988 in a salvage area in Ava to a couple of men, then was seen by several members of their families. It also appeared to a couple of men gigging frogs in 1988. Seems to be a uh, quite a common pastime. Gigging huh? frogs yeah. while driving their Chevys to the levee. Nice. Something like that? Something like that. Yeah. Okay. And steadily tapered off from that point until no sighting past 1988 had been reported. Probably died. Probably, yeah. And that is the end of the Murfreesboro and Enfield Horror Monster they, Stories. Those, those are very brief histories. Two very interesting creatures indeed, but very brief histories. And such different, like, different contrasting um, descriptions. One is Absolutely. short, the three legs. Yep. And it's slimy. The other one is tall, muddy, but like 350 pounds. Yeah, I'm no seven feet, though, but yeah. But I mean, <laughs> it's so interesting that the both of these things happen within close proximity to each other. Yeah. And in the same time period, but were so different that they left a lasting impression upon all those few people that saw it. They certainly did. And that lasted for decades because these were the 70s. 70s, yeah. yeah, 73. Yeah. So it's an enduring story. Yeah. And a lot of these stories that are a lot of the uh, articles that I pulled for research were articles that were done in the last like 10, 15 years. So this, this thing is still being talked Sweet. about to this day. Yeah. Well, each state likes to keep their legends alive, I believe. That's a good point. That's a good point. You know, you know good for tourism and stuff like that. Although people aren't. You know, there's a lot of people out there these days are not looking to run into a seven foot tall hairy Bigfoot I would in rather, a swamp. I'd rather I'd rather run into a four foot three legged goblin <laughs> or whatever it was. Speaking yeah. of goblins, that the uh, the story of the Enfield Horror had a very similar, or at least one point that was similar to the Hopkinsville goblins. I don't know if you're familiar with them. No, I am not. So the Hopkins, Hopkinsville, uh, Kentucky. Uh, we may get into that, but it, that one's actually been covered quite a bit in the, the uh, TV series, or not TV series, Amazon series. Um, uh, the 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 new Kirks did it. It's called Hellier. Okay. Uh, but anyway, the Hopkinsville goblins occurred in Kentucky in I forget the year, but it was the, the story of a family in a house who see what looks like a UFO, and all of a sudden they are besieged upon by these like two or three foot goblin looking creatures who surround their house, they fire at them repeatedly. And each time they fire, it, if it does hit one of the creatures, it bounces them back and they get up and they run away. It doesn't, it doesn't affect them at all. Really? And supposedly the entire, the entire raid lasted the entire night. Wow. Yeah. So they were, fi they were firing weapons at these things at the and thing. not outside of the, yeah, from inside their house and, and not hitting. And they were hitting some, but when they would hit them, one reporter saying that he hit, he hit the goblin dead on. The goblin rolled backwards, got up, and floated away. Huh. Yeah. Floated, huh? Yeah. One report from the night stated that as, I forget which which family member it was, as he walked outside the front porch, there was a goblin on the roof, and the goblin reached down and grabbed his hair. This is probably why extraterrestrial life doesn't even attempt to contact us, because it seems like every time humans come into contact with we something get, they don't understand, they try to freaking kill it. We get the guns out. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, if something attacked me, then I'd let my fifty caliber burrito loose on it, and you would be, 
If, if it was a goblin or an infield horror, it would do no damage, unfortunately. Attack! It would just... It would, well, it would we'd see. Get up and, and, and just kind of brush shooting, it off. And well, they're shooting pea shooters at it. It's a 50 caliber round, so it'll put a hole through an engine block. So. I don't know. I, I mean, don't know. I don't know. Because there are a lot of stories of people who are out hunting with, with uh, rifles and shotguns who come across Bigfoot fire hit it dead on and nothing happens well first of all he's got one hell of a thick hide and and and, and again why do they immediately try to kill because that's human nature man stupid human nature all right james well why don't you tell the uh fine folks at home where they can find us i'll be glad to mr chris they can find us on the fourthhand.com media network please join us there we have lots of other great shows uh plus our sister show what the suck yes um uh, check them out Lots of great people, and you can also find us on Facebook, The Big Evil, and on Instagram. And if you'd like to follow me, I still have a little bit of space left you on my Facebook. While you can. Yeah. I shed about 22 or 23 people a few days ago. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> making room. Yep, making some room. Um, but I am at James E. Bishop Third. And I am also on Instagram at James Bishop III. You can find the podcast, of course, on any platform: Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Castbox. Chris is YouTube. Done a fan YouTube. I always forget to say YouTube. I always forget it. We're it. on there, but we're on there. Chris has done an outstanding job of getting us out there in all these different areas and all these different platforms. So give us a check. You know, check yeah, us out. Please do. There's uh, review rate. Give us some comments. Do, oh, yeah. You know, Let us know what you think. Review the episode. If Let you us... guys have a uh, personal encounter yes. that you want to share or you want us to play on the podcast, you can email them to us at stateoffearpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we prefer that you email them in audio format. Please. Preferably wave or MP3. They can be anywhere from uh, three minutes to five minutes to 15 minutes. Uh, as long as, as it's short enough that it can be emailed. Now, if your story is longer and it cannot be emailed, just email us and let us know that you have a long story. And I will get back to you and we will figure out something to get get us a story. And like I said, uh, this is the Illinois episode. So if you know, if you've got a personal story from any of the uh, states, because, I mean, we're going to go through. Yeah, any we're going to go all the way to Wyoming before we start this thing over again anyway. Yeah. yeah. So once we hit Wyoming, it'll go all the way around. It does not matter if your state has already been covered. Yes. We'll get it on we'll the next Go back one. around to it. Uh, and like I said, it'll take some time, but we still love to have your story. If we haven't done it yet, get them in as, as soon as you can, and we will get them included in an upcoming episode. And this is any story, whether you live there or even just visited there and something weird happened, whether it was paranormal, whether you had a run-in with a serial killer or a cannibal or a criminal, or you... You went there and you had something happen that is, can be considered a miracle, but it happened in the state. Get us a story. We want, to, we want to hear it, and our our listeners want to hear it, too. Absolutely. All right, buddy. Well, this was a lot of fun, and I look forward to our next great state adventure. Me, too, man. This is so much fun. And uh, we'll see you guys in uh, the next state. We'll see you down the road, folks. Oh, and don't forget to stay tuned for the personal encounter stories coming up right now. Hi, my name is Maria. The following happened to our family around 1995. My daughter had, when we lived in Illinois, she was a kindergartner at the time, and her grandmother lived with us. She was very elderly on hospice. Well, one evening, I ran my daughter's bath water and walked away, got her clothes and that, and I saw her run into the bathroom. 
you know, I was a little busy, and um, I saw her run back out again, and she looked a bit scared, so I scooped her up, walked in there, and the water was scalding, and I asked her, you know, did you try to go into the bathtub? Is that why you got scared? She goes, no, no, no. Let her cool off, gave her her bath, you know, went on with our lives. Well, go forward many years. She's a young adult, um, packing for a move. And she saw a picture and she grabbed it and she's like, who's that man? And I looked at the picture and said, well, that's your grandpa. And she looked at him and she goes, that's the man I saw in the bathroom that night when I was little that scared me. And she said she saw him sitting in the living room and she'd seen him in her grandma's room sitting next to her. And I go, yeah, he loved her a lot and he was always around. I didn't know that you could see him. I knew he was there. But it goes to show you that children very young don't have a clear definition between the two existence of this life and the next. She saw him clear as can be. Um, at first she wasn't scared because she thought it was her daddy because he looked a lot like her, like her daddy. Um, but then when she said, I stared at him for a little bit and I could see he looked a little different and that's when I got scared. And I said, well, I wish you had told me. There was nothing to be scared of. But there you go. That's our personal story. Thank you.
here's some inside scoop. If your kids are as ready to go back to school as mine are, you gotta check out Kohl's. I got my daughters the cutest sew tops for under 18 bucks, Jansport backpacks for 25% off, and 30% off Levi's jeans for me. I even saved an extra 15% and picked up Kohl's cash. So yeah, not sure who's more excited right now, me or the girls. Select styles. 15% offer ends August 15th. Levi's coupons do not apply. Some exclusions apply. See store calls account for details. State of Fear, where terror is homegrown. Join us as we take a drive down dusty back roads and discover the obscure and dark history of this country, human and otherwise, that lurk in your backyard. back to state of fear podcast i'm your host chris and with me is my good friend james hey man what's up everybody hey man so today's episode is going to be on the state of illinois the illinois home of the bears i the know cubs the cubs the white Sox, and my favorite place your favorite place which is metropolis wait 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 wait, wait. metropolis is in superman metropolis well kind of so you're saying you're saying metropolis is based on a city in illinois or is there an actual city called metropolis there is an actual town called metropolis is that right they even have a superman of the year contest they have the big giant 15 foot statue in the in the town square Uh and they also have several museums dedicated to the man of steel really so now unfortunately I haven't been there yet. Wait, wait. You're like the biggest Superman fan that I know. How have you not been there? Well, when I was up there to see my son graduate from the Naval uh, Boot Camp at uh, Great Lakes, we tried to go there, but the Army Corps of Engineers at the time had to release the levees on the Mississippi, and they flooded several of the lower-lying plains, and it blocked the highways. And it was... It really, what really that sucked sucks, about man. it, yeah, what really stunk about it is because it was only taking us one hour out of the way to go home to go there and see that. And but you're I, so close. But I will get there. When was that? That was, was about eight years ago now. Jeez. Oh, wow. Okay. So you need to make another trip up to Illinois to yeah, see this, huh? My boy did uh, six years in the Navy. Okay. And he's out now, but yeah. About eight years ago. And so when you say Superman of the Year, what does that mean? Every year that's like a, you know, it's a Mr. Superman. They have a guy, that they have all these guys dress up in Superman outfits. Oh, okay. And whoever's the best one acts the best, I guess, you know, nerds it up the best. Does okay. Whatever. So it's like a cosplay yeah. contest. And- yeah, something okay. like that. I wasn't sure if it was that or if it was like where they honor one person who like did the most charity a year or something, but it's no, an actual cosplay contest. But I okay. think they do that. They make appearances and do stuff like that. Cool. That's I really haven't neat. read too much into that part, but... I I am very interested in going there one day because they do have one 
Superman museum that has over 75,000 oh, wow. pieces that you can go see. So that's kind of like your Graceland. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been to Graceland. So, but it's, but it's not your actual Graceland. But your Graceland you, is in Metropolis. My Graceland Metropolis, Illinois, and I haven't even been there, damn it. Wow, that's I'll, awesome. I'll get there. Now, when you go, would you like dress up in cosplay? If I was skinny enough, yes. Okay, but <laughs> all right, let's, let's say let's say you go next year and you're not skinny enough. I know I know you'd rather go as Superman, but if you couldn't, but you can go as another character from the comic series, who would you go as? Mr. Incredible. Mr. Incredible. Before he comes out of retirement. What are you talking about um, <laughs> from the Incredibles? That's not DC, though. I know it isn't. No, I'm talking I'm about just kidding. Superman Universe, man. Well, with my size and my build, Doomsday. I was just thinking that, actually, yeah. I just put a Doomsday mask on and walk around. Which, which makes sense, because if you cannot be Superman, even though you want to, be the one character that actually has killed him. Has, well, killed each other, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. Knocked each other into a Kryptonian coma is how I like to put it. Right, right. Yes, when the comic originally was released, yes, it did come out. He would, they were dead. They both died, whatever. Mm-hmm. I get it. But then all the Superman fans raised all oh, holy hell. They brought him back, and they had to... They had yeah, to, I know, remember that whole storyline. It was, it was ridiculous. <laughs> it was terrible with the four different colors and then the oh, different... Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. It was terrible. Well, let's get into something actually more along the lines of our topic. Absolutely. Okay, so uh, today's episode is going to be a doubleheader. A twofer. Two for the price of one. We are covering the Murfreesboro Muddy Monster and the Enfield Horror. Yes, and I am glad we are because, like I said, when I gave you the research for the Mud Monster to look into it and see if you'd like to do it, I know that, uh, you know, it wasn't a whole lot. So I am really, really glad you dug this one up because I had not heard of the Enfield Horror and I'm looking forward to learning about it. And see, I I had heard of the infield horror before. Um, I think I'd heard inklings of the Murfreesboro monster. I don't remember him being called the Muddy Monster, but uh, I think what most people think of infield, at least those that are into the paranormal and or supernatural, they think of the infield poltergeist, which is a great topic and has been researched multiple times and has a lot of great research out there. But that is a UK story. And we stick to the Jolly good old, old England. Yeah, we stick to the good old U.S. of A. That is correcto. So we are covering, unless of course our news stories, of course, carry outside oh, yeah. the borders. Those They're, are worldwide. They, they know rules there. No, those can be wherever <laughs> they get, they can be from Mars. Who knows? You know. As a matter of fact, today's story is from the U.K. Oh, there we go. Look at that synchronicity. Synchronicity. All right. Well, what do you say before we get into the main story? Let's get into the weird news of the day. I got a weird one today, and I don't even know how I'm going to get through this one, brother. All right. Well, let's see, let's see what you got for us, James. Oh, no. This... Wait a minute. I just saw the title. Oh, Lord. This is this is awesome. This is no kidding, folks, and I am sorry. Not really. No, he's not, but you're not sorry. I'm, I'm telling you, this one, I just busted out laughing because, you know, a lot of times on this show yeah, and the, in the episodes we've done, we've talked about a lot of, of uh, subjects that are real downers. You know, they're... They, you know, true crime stories and stuff that we've done, 
They're interesting, but they're sad. So every once in a while, I like to do something to lift the spirit a little bit. Okay. Like we did the goat story on a previous oh, episode. Yeah, that, was great. I thought was cool. Yeah, that was cool. Loving great. when animals take over. Yeah. This one here takes animals to a whole different level. Okay. <laughs> Let's hear it. This is from The Sun. A, this article is actually... Uh, I don't even know how to go about don't this. Don't know how to go start it. This is going to be funny as hell. Okay. It's from a paper called The Sun in the UK. The name of today's article, should I say weird news of the day, and this is extraordinarily weird news. Yes, it is. It's called Spank the Monkey. <laughs> <laughs> the ghost of a masturbating ape haunts the hallways of a grand country estate in Dorset. Okay, let's just now, let's just say let's give him the title of weirdest <laughs> ghost ever. Okay? This is this definitely is probably the weirdest news yet or I ever. Mean, some of the some of the news we've had before on previous episodes has been you know pretty darn strange. Some of it not so strange, but this one here, this one's the uh, front runner for quite a while. But anyway, the story goes. The haunted Athelhampton Hall is a popular wedding venue with romantic spook hunters. It's a wedding hall? Apparently. Oh, my God. Be a hell of a guest to have at the wedding, wouldn't it, brother? <laughs> the ghost of a randy monkey haunts the halls of a grand English country estate where romantic spook hunters flock to tie the nut. Titillated tourists can often hear the saucy specter laughing while masturbating in the Athelhampton Hall in Dorset near Dorchester. So not only does he masturbate, but he laughs He's while <laughs> masturbating. He's a wacky kind of guy this there, Chris. the greatest <laughs> monkey ever. <laughs> the estate is considered one of the most haunted in the UK. Always a good thing. Always. And the spooky venue even has soul-searching couples clamoring to have their weddings held there in the hopes of having the pervy primate appear in the background of their pictures. Oh, my gosh. Really? Wow. Wow. The lovable ape's afterlife antics have helped the hall to be named as one of the most haunted houses in England after being listed on We Buy Any Homes list of the nine most ghostly properties. That's a weird number. Nine most? That's one nine out of ten. most. Just do ten. The 15th century house was originally built by the Martin family, whose crest featured an excited monkey sitting on a tree stump. <laughs> what? Oh, my God. Oh, Lord have mercy. The estate's motto was, he who looks at Martin's ape, Martin's ape will look at him. So weird. Spank you, Spanky Helperton. Thank you very much. That's right. And ever since, the horny ghost of Martin's monkey has haunted the sprawling country pile, making it a go-to destination for curious phantom fanatics. Now, I'm going to interject for two seconds here before I continue this story. Who in the hell would want... You know what? I take that back. I, don't, I think I would even go and uh, get a uh -huh. kick out of this shit. That that last <laughs> sentence made it sound like a parody of, like, Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Carswell! The, your monkey's masturbating all over the gold! Uh, that's ridiculous. One tourist, dad of three, John Morrison, 41, from Derby, who took his entire family to the estate, spoke excitedly about the spanking spook. Spanking spook. See, they're trying, to, they're trying to trip me up here. That is a great name for a band. Go he on. said, and I quote, We heard that Martin the monkey who haunts the house loves to scratch his privates while swinging around. Nobody said nothing about scratching. Uh, that's that's what they call it back then, I guess. Or, I guess. or they call it over there, scratching the privates. And also quoted, we didn't see him, which is a shame, because it would have been a real sight. 
Yeah, I bet. Mm -hmm. Apparently, he's not terrifying. Quite friendly is what we've heard. According to the local legend, the unconventional Martin family did have a pet ape which was free to wander the halls. And when one of the Martin's daughters had an unhappy love affair and decided to kill herself, the compassionate monkey began following her around. Weird. Sheesh. Yeah, that's weird. Now, wait a minute. Uh-huh. Following her around after she decided to kill herself? Yeah. Oh, maybe she hadn't done it yet, and the monkey was following her around. Right. She decided, to talk but her she out had, yeah. I got it. She wait, climbed- wait, did you say that he followed her around and tried to talk her out of it? You're saying the <laughs> monkey was talking to her? To- hey, it... Go on. Let's go on. Let's go on (laughs) with it. All right. When she climbed a set of hidden stairs to a secret room, the ape trailed behind and watched as she took her own life with the door bolted. Poor monkey. By the time the family's search of the house and grounds eventually located the room, the ape had starved to death next to her body. Oh. Oh, poor baby. That sucks. You know, poor ape. But you know what? Loyalty in animals, man. I'm telling you, they're better than humans. But now its ghost haunts the halls, often scratching at the paneling of the secret room and staircase in an eternal frantic attempt to escape. Bless its heart. But the monkey is not alone. The house is reputed to have six other ghosts, all human. Now, where did they come from? Okay, that sounds like a reality show. It does. Six ghosts, six six human ghosts, and a monkey ghost. Six ghosts and a monkey. We need to make that happen. (laughs) Sci-fi, make it happen. That's right. We want credit, we want the rights, and we want to do the narration. And I want to be the monkey. Go on. Athelhampton has long been known as a haunted spot and featured on TV's Most Haunted in 2002. Is there anybody here? Oh, Lord. Oh, my god! I know you remember that one. I do. Derek, always choking to death. God bless him. Yeah. Rest, rest in peace, Derek. I know he died. Yeah. He passed away here a little while back. Anyway, moving on. Moving on. There has been a structure on site since Saxon times. Andrea Cook, who has lived in the house with her family for more than 20 years, said she had witnessed, quote, all sorts of odd and inexplicable things. But while many have a rational explanation, she said, quote, there are always some which do not. The most recent was a dark hooded figure which rushed past one of our cleaners. On first sighting, she assumed she had imagined it, but ten minutes later it came towards her again, up the old servant's staircase, and hurried past her into the bathroom. Maybe it guess was he a, had to go. He had, you gotta go, you gotta go. I guess so. She was terribly excited about it, having never witnessed such a thing. What this was makes no sense at all. It is a figure our youngest son has seen on a couple of occasions, but the cleaner was unaware of this at the time. Creepy. Despite all this, it was an amazing place to live. It's a beautiful home. We are all happy here, and generally it has a lovely atmosphere in spite of the stories. But on the odd occasion when something does occur, and I must stress, it is only occasionally, it reminds you that there are some things which are beyond our understanding. Yes, like a masturbating monkey. That's that's beyond my understanding for sure. <sighs> that's crazy. A spokesperson from We Buy Any Homes said, <laughs> I would love to <laughs> love see that. this. We Buy Any Homes. Okay, you, you said it yourself, right? Now, what are there any problems with the home? Yes. I would just I would just I love to see the look on on the realtor's face when he gets that call and the person on the line tells him, uh, yeah, we also have the ghost of a masturbating monkey. Just the look on the person's face like, okay, we'll buy it. That's fine. We'll buy it. Yes. <laughs> so, whether you believe in ghosts or not, it's undeniable that in some places for whatever reason just gives us the creeps. Whether it is the old-fashioned decor, the eerie silence that hangs over the property, or the footsteps on the landing in the, in the dead of night, some properties give the feeling that they may be occupied by something or someone else. 
like a monkey. Like a monkey. Andrea said that when her sons were younger, their friends refused to sleep over <laughs> and all because of doors being agitated. Figures at the end of the of the bed. Figures stood in doorways. The sound of rapid footsteps. <laughs> Something else rapid going on there too. <laughs> Backwards and forwards in your bedroom. Uh, all I'm thinking is this. <laughs> yeah, those, that's what I'm hearing. Like Sonny, those aren't footsteps that are being uh, being done rapidly. All right, brother. Now that is the end of the story. Now I I know you know during the. Uh, the editing process and all this. They're not, the many times I busted up trying to do this. That's, oh my that's, gosh. <laughs> that, that was the greatest story you ever have brought or ever will bring because nothing will top it. The spank the monkey, the masturbating monkey. That is, <laughs> spank great. the monkey. I love it. And the fact that he's a ghost. Not, it, it, it'd be funny enough <laughs> if he was just a masturbating monkey in a castle. But then the fact that he's a a masturbating ghost monkey. That that's just something I've never. We've been doing paranormal for how long? Years, like a decade at least. Yeah, together. Yeah, and then and I know you studied it even longer than that. I mean, I've studied about it all my life, and it wasn't didn't really get serious until like two thousand. But I've never ever I've heard never, of this. Ever heard of a masturbating ghost monkey? It's fantastic. I love this. This is hilarious. If I'm somebody, going. To, I'm going to this damn house if I ever get over there. If any of our listeners wants to draw some art of the masturbating monkey, please email it to us. <laughs> Stand up your podcast at gmail.com. I want to see your interpretations of Martin the Masturbating Monkey. What are you talking about? This is a serious show, sir. This is a serious show, but this this serious show is got a masturbating monkey, and that's hilarious. I love it. I love it. Well, if I can get a if I can get a spectral image of him, I might put it in the feed. That works for me. Yeah, that'd be that's great. Okay, so now we move on from masturbating monkeys to a whole different type of horror. <laughs> now, if you're going to keep saying that, I'm going to keep thinking of it. I, just, I can't help with that. That and story we... was, you get the gold star award for the best story ever, James. But it was like, <laughs> it was great. I love it. I loved it. I loved it. Okay. Oh, jeez. So, now, um, the information for tonight's episode came from a large variety of sources. I'm not going to name them here, but I will put them in the show notes so you'll find them there. Let's just okay. So the two creatures we're covering tonight are, like I said, are the Murfreesboro Muddy Monster and the Infield Horror. Both took place in 1973 within a time frame of about four months, and were about 70 miles from each other. And the odd thing is that the description of both are completely different. Yeah, I did notice that. But it's very interesting that they both happen so close to each other within the same time frame. And normally, you would expect the descriptions to match if if you know it was the same creature but apparently illinois had two completely different creatures running around their backwoods in 1973 at the same time same that's time. right so on the evening of april 25th 1973 a young boy named greg garrett was playing in his backyard his evening playtime however would soon be interrupted by a monstrosity called the infield horror his parents were inside watching tv and enjoying the spring night when suddenly Greg burst in through the door to tell them an incredible story. Crying and hysterical, Greg told his parents that a monster, about four or five feet tall, not as tall as a Bigfoot, so not a Bigfoot creature, ran past him while he was playing in the backyard. He said it was gray with slimy skin, had big red eyes, 
short little arms with claws and three legs. Now, that is a weird description because three legs. Now, I have seen some of the photos that we, we um, during the research, yeah. I've seen some of the photos, and it looks like that two-legged, it, it almost looks like the two-legged pig lizard from galaxy quest yeah the the if artist, i'm pick if i'm trying to pick something the artist rendition looks like looks like that yeah. for sure yeah it's very strange looking when the monster ran past him it stepped on his feet and tore through his shoes with its claws ouch yeah thankfully it didn't hurt the boy though good while greg's parents were deciding whether or not he was telling the truth garrett's neighbor would have their own encounter with the horror henry mcdaniel and his wife came home about 9:30 p.m. to find their two children Henry Jr. and Little freaking out. They told them that something was scraping on the outside of the house trying to get in. Henry Sr. had no time to dismiss their tale for he suddenly heard a scratching sound coming from the outside. He grabbed his pistol and ran outside and came face to face with the horror. Dun, dun, dun. dun, dun, dun. I had to throw that one in, sorry. So, <laughs> Sr. McDaniel's description to the police of the monster matched that of Greg Garrett's. Quote, it had three legs on it, a short body, two little short arms coming out of its breast area, and two pink eyes as big as flashlights. It stood four and a half feet tall and was grayish color. It was trying to get into the house. After the initial shock wore off, Senior opened fire at the creature, and he was sure that he hit it. However, it seemed that the shot had no effect on the monster, as the monster hissed like a wildcat and jumped away, covering a distance of 75 feet in three hops, and disappeared by nearby railroad tracks. Possible alien creature? Possible alien creature. Yeah, since the hopping also reminds me of uh, Spring Hill Jack, another UK yeah. uh, creature. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Senior McDaniel called the police department, but Illinois State Troopers came out to investigate instead. Their investigation found scratch marks on the outside of McDaniel's home, which appeared fresh, as well as a set of three footprints with prominent claw marks, but little else. Okay. Now, pardon my interjection here, but if you call the local police... And the state troopers come in. That tells me they've all they've automatically escalated it to a higher authority, mm-hmm. which means they probably were already chasing this thing or probably. knew of its existence, or they had already had had a few calls prior to McDaniel's. And at that point, since they had a certain number of calls, they went ahead and escalated. Since it's a state police jurisdiction, I right. guess maybe yeah. if they were on the case, that's why they showed up instead. But you're right; if you get the state troopers it's just, out instead, it's, I just find that weird that yeah. you call the local police, but the state troopers came instead, but with no other explanation. So I'm just wondering, you know, like I said, if they already knew it was, and they're like, "Oh hell, here we go again." And I think it's I think it's awesome that they actually found you know some uh, evidence. They found you know yeah. uh, footprints and claw marks. I mean, that's that great. Is, that is very cool. The footprints were about four inches wide, with the third print slightly smaller than the other two. In the following days, McDaniel would tell his story to anyone that would listen, and soon, self-appointed monster hunters began to swarm Enfield. The sudden influx of these hunters, quote-unquote, caused White County Sheriff Roy Posher Jr. to threaten McDaniel with jail time if he continued to tell his story. Okay, now why would... Why would he do that? Threaten, yeah. I'm going to get to that. Some of these monster hunters further fueled the frenzy of monster rumors with bizarre sightings of their own. Two hunters from Indiana by the names of Mike Mogul and Roger Tappy claimed to have seen what they described as a large, quote, gray monkey dashing through the underbrush, which had moved too quickly for them to get a good shot out. But no, is not the masturbating monkey. It's a whole different thing. (laughs) 
In another incident, five hunters were arrested for hunting violations and as a threat to public safety after they opened fire in unison on what they would later claim had been a gray, hairy creature they had spotted in the woods. That's why he threatened McDaniel to stop because these crazy, crazy people with guns were coming through this small town and just firing at anything. That's true. Kind of like the silver, the Stephen King silver bullet mob. Yes, exactly. Where every, where every redneck in the town that had right. a shotgun was out there in the forest and the mob. Exactly. That's exactly yeah. right. And this, and that was now, a, that was a threat to public safety. Now tell me something else here. All of a sudden, the creature's appearance has changed because when the boys saw it, it was a slick. Right. Now it's hairy. But both of these um, sightings by the hunters both indicated that it was too fast and a good a good look at. So you know, if they're looking at it and it's very fast, they probably just assume that it was hairy. Harry, or perhaps another one of the same kind of creature. Perhaps the shiny sheen that Garrett had seen in the moonlight, you know, in, in a very fast motion, could look like hair. I guess so, yeah. yeah. The hunters even claimed to have hit it, but that their bullets had no effect whatsoever, much like McDaniel. The hiss. Yeah. I'm not, I thought I'd do the hiss for That's you. perfect. I love it. The sheriff didn't believe a word of it and considered them to be just a posse of gun-toting thrill-seekers, which they were, quote, out drinking and raising hell. Something tells me the sheriff has encountered this creature it scared the crap out of him, so he's just playing. He's uh, playing the denial card, you I know, guess. To play your conspiracy card, what if he was told by the state troopers not to let anybody catch this thing? Possibly, or even state troopers. They could even be higher, or the they could be Illinois, feds. Illinois, they could be yeah. feds in Illinois. You know, the, you never the, know. The Illinois Bureau of Investigation. Yeah. Here we go, man. On Sunday, May sixth, Rick Rainbow, great name, the <laughs> then director of radio station WWKI in Kokomo, Indiana was in town to search for the monster with some friends and claimed to have seen a five-and-a-half-foot gray stooped-over creature. Okay, the creature's getting bigger now. It's getting bigger. Now, again, uh, Garrett, even though he's a child... I guess he did he, say he four He said to four s- to five. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And uh, McDaniel Sr. said it was about four-and-a-half. So it, it's I within the you. range. Okay. Yeah. Running through the woods by the McDaniel's home. The creature moved at an unnatural speed, but Rainbow has claimed to have captured the creature's eerie shriek on tape, but later lost the tape. Fabulous. I know, great. Senior McDaniel would see the monster one last time that same day, May 6th. Senior McDaniel woke up late in the night to the neighbor's dogs barking and went to investigate. When he went outside, there was the creature walking down the nearby infield railroad tracks. Senior McDaniel watched silently as the creature walked out of sight, and that was the last time the infield horror was seen. Over a month later, and 70 miles to the southwest in the town of Murfreesboro, a strange monster called the Mud Monster would follow the example set by the infield horror. Its appearance would be brief, but unforgettable for its residents. The first encounter with the Murfreesboro Mud Monster occurred on June 25, 1973 by Randy Needham and Judy Johnson. That night, they were parked near a boat ramp on the Big Muddy River at about midnight when suddenly an incredibly loud scream rang out. Was it a monkey? I think it was a monkey. Oh, boy. Coming from the nearby woods, shattering the stillness of the night. As Needham and Johnson looked in the direction of the scream, they saw it. The creature made itself known. They described it as an estimated 7 feet tall and 350 pounds. A terrifying sight covered with light-colored fur, which was matted with mud, and had glowing pink eyes, and it was coming straight at them. The couple quickly started the car and left the area. Now, I will interject at this point. Okay. In most horror movies, the car never starts. Yeah, thankfully it's real life. In real thankfully life... Thankfully it's real life, the car actually starts and they got the hell out. Unless the car is a junker, it starts usually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, let's also uh, make note of the fact that this thing was... 
at least two feet taller than the Enfield Horror. And, and lighter in color and furry. And weighed a whole lot more. Yeah. I mean, I don't, there, there was never any weight associated with the infield, but from the size, it didn't seem like it was 350 pounds. No telling. They immediately drove to the police department to report what they had seen. Naturally, the police were skeptical, but in the end, they sent two officers, Merrill Lindsay and Jimmy Nash, to the scene to look for any evidence. They found footprints, big footprints, some 12 inches long. Now, wait a minute. I've got bigger feet than that. You, you have bigger than 12 inches. I, I have a size 13 foot. That's huh. basically 13 inches. So, yeah, 12 inches. Well, I think the average foot's like a 9, so 12 is still kind of big. I guess. While inspecting the footprints found, James Nash reportedly heard, quote, the most incredible shriek that was no bobcat or screech owl. The same shrieking that Needham and Johnson reported and heard what sounded like a large creature splashing through the water, but were not able themselves to glimpse it. No other sightings would be reported that night. Christian Barrow was playing in his backyard the very next night, June 26. The four-year-old boy came bolting into the house, telling his parents that he had seen a big white ghost. Once again, while his parents contemplated whether they should believe the boy, their neighbors would be paid a visit by the creature. You seen the uh, the synchronicity going on here, the similarities yeah. between the two different stories? I am indeed. Ten minutes after Christian's sighting, neighbors Randy Creeth and Cheryl Ray were on their back porch enjoying the night air when they saw the monster for themselves. Randy and Cheryl would describe the monster the exact same way Christian did to his parents. Randy, 17, was the son of a state trooper and even sketched the creature for the officers. According to Randy, he was as tall as that tree. It took me 15 minutes to get scared, but then it really hit me. The thing I remembered was the bulk of it, the shape, the human form, and the stench of the river slime it apparently had on it. It was about eight feet tall and at least as stocky as a New York football player. All the New York football players come from Texas. That's right. Texas, boy. We were within 15 feet of it, close enough to see the body, the texture of the fur, long and hairy, like an English sheepdog. It was at that point that police chief Toby Berger ordered his entire 14-man force out for a night-long search. Dog trainer Jerry Nellis brought his 80-pound German Shepherd Reb out to aid the search. Reb would find gobs of black slime, like sewage sludge, on a direct line between the river and the Ray house. Reb would lead officers to an abandoned barn, but upon entering they found nothing, and that would be the last sighting of 1973. Two years later, 1975. It returns. The creature would be seen in the Harrison area north of Murfreesboro. So he's territorial, at least. He definitely has some sort of migrating. But a two-year two year, two gap, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Later that year, two chuckers claimed to have seen it west of Murfreesboro at the junction of highways 149 and 3. Also that same year, Tom Hill, Grand Tower restaurant owner, displayed the plaster cast of an extraordinarily large, peculiarly shaped footprint in his restaurant. He told inquiring visitors that the cast had been brought in by a Boy Scout group and had been made from tracks in the Oakwood Bottoms, a swampy, spooky area along Highway 3 near Grand Tower and not too far from the above-mentioned junction of Highway 3 and 149. As Hale was known as a practical joker, some of the viewers scoffed and called it a fake. Of course they do. Well, you know, he's a practical joker, so sometimes you yeah. can't believe him. Yeah, yeah, man, you're full of crap. Also, in 1975, the Miller Carnival was set up in Riverside Park, not too far from the previous sighting of the monster. This sounds like a good setup for a horror movie. It really does. Here. It really does, yeah. <laughs> the ponies used for riding by the youngsters who came to the park, were tethered to bushes on the riverbank. Suddenly, the ponies shied, rolled their eyes, and raised their heads in an effort to pull free of their ropes. 
three carnival workers, Otis Norris, Ray Atkerson, and Wesley Lavender, walked around the truck, and right there, standing upright in the darkness, was what they described as a three to four hundred pound creature growling fearsomely. Sounds like me when I'm hungry. <laughs> or at three in the morning. Yeah. Well, I'm between three and four hundred pounds, and I have a size thirteen foot. You are a you are the muddy monster, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> and with your beard growing, you can just you know yeah, just let it there. keep going. Yeah, that's right. The workers retreated and sounded the alarm. Townspeople and outsiders stalked the area with loaded guns, forcing the authorities to close the park. The carnival had an alarm. Uh, probably, yeah. Maybe like a fire <laughs> alarm, maybe you know. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe, maybe somebody just just one of those uh, hand crank alarms, you know. <laughs> A newspaper reporter commented that as southern Illinois is a hunting country and hunters own guns, if the creature was human, it or he was likely to come to harm if the whole affair was a hoax. About the same time, two youths near the McIlvain School on the outskirts of North Murfreesboro reported seeing it while gigging frogs along the Big Muddy River. And a logger near Cairo, at the extreme southern tip of the state where the Ohio and Mississippi rivers converge, reported seeing a monster along the Ohio River levee. The monster made another appearance in 1988 in a salvage area in Ava to a couple of men, then was seen by several members of their families. It also appeared to a couple of men gigging frogs in 1988. Seems to be a uh, quite a common pastime. Gigging huh? frogs yeah. while driving their Chevys to the levee. Nice. Something like that? Something like that. Yeah. Okay. And steadily tapered off from that point until no sighting past 1988 had been reported. Probably died. Probably, yeah. And that is the end of the Murfreesboro and Enfield Horror Monster Stories. Those those are very brief histories. Two very interesting creatures indeed, but very brief histories. And such different, like, different contrasting um, descriptions. One is short, the three legs. Yep. And it's slimy. The other one is tall, muddy, but like 350 pounds. Yeah, I'm no seven feet, though, but yeah. But I mean, (laughs) it's so interesting that both of these things happen... Within close proximity to each other, yeah, and in the same time period, but were so different that they left a lasting impression upon all those few people that saw it. They certainly did, and that lasted for decades because these were the seventies, yeah, yeah, seventy three, yeah. So it's an enduring story, yeah. And a lot of these stories that, or a lot of the uh, articles that I pulled for research, were articles that were done in the last like 10, 15 years. So this, this thing is still being talked Sweet. about to this day. Yeah. Well, each state likes to keep their legends alive, I believe. That's a good point. That's a good point. You know, you know, good for tourism and stuff like that. Although people aren't, you know, there's a lot of people out there these days are not looking to run into a seven foot tall, hairy Bigfoot I would in rather, a swamp. I'd rather, I'd rather run into a four foot three legged goblin <laughs> or whatever it was. Speaking yeah. of goblins, that, the uh, the story of the Enfield Horror had a very similar, or at least one point that was similar to the Hopkinsville Goblins. I don't know if you're familiar with them. No, I'm not. So the Hop- Hopkinsville, uh, Kentucky, uh, we may get into that, but it, that one's actually been covered quite a bit in the, the uh, TV series, or not TV series, Amazon series. Um, uh, the, the, the New Kirks did it. It's called Hellier. Okay. Uh, but anyway, the... Hopkinsville goblins occurred in Kentucky in, I forget the year, but it was the the story of a family in a house who see what looks like a UFO and all of a sudden they are besieged upon by these like two or three foot goblin looking creatures who surround their house. They fire at them repeatedly and each time they fire, if it does hit one of the creatures, it bounces them back. And they get up and they run away. It doesn't. It doesn't affect them at all. Really. And supposedly the entire 
the entire raid lasted the entire night. Wow. Yeah. So they were fi- they were firing weapons at these things at these and things. not outside killing. of the yeah, from inside their house and and not hitting and they were hitting some, but when they would hit them, one reporter saying that he hit he hit the goblin dead on. The goblin rolled backwards, got up and floated away. Huh. Yeah. Floated, huh? Yeah, one report from the night stated that as I forget which which family member it was, as he walked outside the front porch, there was a goblin on the roof and the goblin reached down and grabbed his hair. This is probably why extraterrestrial life doesn't even attempt to contact us, because it seems like every time humans come into contact with something they don't understand, they try to freaking kill it. We get the guns out. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, if something attacked me, then I'd let my fifty caliber burrito loose on it. And you would be... If, if it was a goblin or an infield horror, it would do no damage, unfortunately. It would just... It would, well, it would we'd see. Get up and, and, and just kind of shoot, brush it off. And, well, they're shooting pea shooters at it. It's a fifty caliber round, so it'll put a hole through an engine block. So. I don't know. I, I mean, don't know. I don't know. Because there are a lot of stories of people who are out hunting with, with uh, rifles and shotguns who come across Bigfoot who fire, hit it dead on, and nothing happens. Well, first of all, he's got one hell of a thick hide. And, 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 and again, why do they immediately try to kill... Because that's human nature, man. Stupid. Human nature. All right, James. Well, why don't you tell the uh, fine folks at home where they can find us? I'll be glad to, Mr. Chris. They can find us on the fourthhand.com media network. Please join us there. We have lots of other great shows. Uh, plus our sister show, What the Suck. Yes. Uh, check them out. Lots of great people. And you can also find us on Facebook, The Big Evil, and on Instagram. And if you'd like to follow me, I still have a little bit of space left on my Facebook. While you can. Yeah. I shed about 22 or 23 people a few days ago. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Making room. Yep. Making some room. Um, But I am at James E. Bishop III. And I am also on Instagram at James Bishop III. You can find the podcast, of course, on any platform. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox. Chris has YouTube. done a fan YouTube. I always forget to say YouTube. I always forget it. Damn we're it. on there. But we're on there. Chris has done an outstanding job of getting us out there in all these different areas and all these different platforms. So give us a check. You know, check yeah, us out. Please do. There's uh, Review, rate, give us some comments. Do, oh, yeah. You know, Let wh- us know what you think. Review the episode. If Let you us- guys have a uh, personal encounter. Yes. If you want to share or you want us to play on the podcast, you can email them to us at statefearpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we prefer that you email them in audio format. Please. Preferably wave or MP3. They can be anywhere from uh, three minutes to five minutes to 15 minutes, uh, as long as, as it's short enough that it can be emailed. Now, if your story is longer and it cannot be emailed, just email us. And let us know that you have a long story, and I will get back to you, and we will figure out something to get get us a story. And like I said, uh, this is the Illinois episode, so if you know, if you've got a personal story from any of the uh, states, because, I mean, we're going to go through, yeah, we're going to go, we're gonna go all the way to Wyoming before we start this thing over again anyway. Yeah. yeah. So once we hit Wyoming, it'll go all the way around. It does not matter if your state has already been covered yes we'll get it on the next go back around to it uh and like i said it'll take some time but we still love to have your story if we haven't done it yet get them in as as soon as you can and we will get them included in an upcoming episode and this is any story whether you live there or even just visited there and something weird happened whether it was paranormal whether you had a run-in with a serial killer or a cannibal or a criminal or you you went there and you had something happen that is can be considered a miracle but it happened in a state 
get us a story. We want to, we want to hear it, and our our listeners want to hear it too. Absolutely. All right, buddy. Well, this was a lot of fun, and I look forward to our next great state adventure. Me too, man. This is so much fun. And uh, we'll see you guys in uh, the next date. We'll see you down the road, folks. Oh, and don't forget to stay tuned for the personal encounter stories coming up right now. Hi, my name is Maria. The following happened to our family around 1995. My daughter had, when we lived in Illinois, she was a kindergartner at the time, and her grandmother lived with us. She was very elderly on hospice. Well, one evening, I ran my daughter's bath water and walked away, got her clothes and that. And I saw her run into the bathroom. You know, I was a little busy. And um, I saw her run back out again, and she looked a bit scared. So I scooped her up, walked in there, and the water was scalding. And I asked her, you know, did you try to go into the bathtub? Is that why you got scared? And she goes, no, no, no let her cool off, gave her her bath, you know, went on with our lives. Well, go forward many years. She's a young adult, um, packing for a move. And she saw a picture and she grabbed it and she's like, who's that man? And I looked at the picture and said, well, that's your grandpa. And she looked at him and she goes, that's the man I saw in the bathroom that night when I was little that scared me and she said she saw him sitting in the living room and she'd seen him in her grandma's room sitting next to her and I go yeah he loved her a lot and he was always around I didn't know that you could see him I knew he was there but it goes to show you that children very young don't have a clear definition between the two existence of this life and the next. She saw him clear as can be. Um, at first she wasn't scared because she thought it was her daddy because he looked a lot like her, like her daddy. Um, but then when she said, I stared at him for a little bit and I could see he looked a little different and that's when I got scared. And I said, well, I wish you had told me. There was nothing to be scared of. But there you go. That's our personal story. Thank you.
Hey there, this is Erica Kelly, host of Southern Fried True Crime. I cover contemporary and historical cases, and I love listener suggestions. And like any good gossip, I'm interested in anyone and anything. Come join me as I explore the dark underbelly of the Deep South. I'm a one-woman show in a narrative format, kind of like sitting by the fire and listening to a story. So pull up a chair and subscribe if you're interested. I'd love to have you. You can find me on any of your favorite podcast apps. Just search for Southern Fried True Crime. Until then, y'all take care. State of Fear, where terror is homegrown. Join us as we take a drive down dusty back roads and discover the obscure and dark history of this country, human and otherwise, that lurk in your backyard. To State of Fear podcast. I'm your host Chris, and with me is my good friend James. Hey man, what's up, everybody? Hey man, so today's episode is going to be on the state of Illinois, the Illinois, home of the Bears, I the know Cubs, the Cubs, the White Sox, and my favorite place, your favorite place, which is Metropolis. Wait, 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 wait. Metropolis is in Superman Metropolis. Well, kind of. So you're saying, you're saying Metropolis is based on a city in Illinois, or is there an actual city called Metropolis? There is an actual town called Metropolis. Is they, that right? They even have a Superman of the Year contest. They have the big giant 15-foot statue in the, in the town square, uh-huh. and they also have several museums dedicated to the Man of Steel. Really? So Now, unfortunately... I haven't been there yet. Wait, wait. You're like the biggest Superman fan that I know. How have you not been there? Well, when I was up there to see my son graduate from the Naval uh, Boot Camp at uh, Great Lakes, we tried to go there, but the Army Corps of Engineers at the time had to release the levees on the Mississippi, and they flooded several of the lower-lying plains, and it blocked the highways. And it was it really what really sucked sucks, about man. it. Yeah, what really stunk about it is because it was only taking us one hour out of the way to go home to go there and see that. Hey, but you're I, so close. But I will get there. When was that? That was about eight years ago now. Jeez. Oh wow. Okay. So you need to make another trip up to Illinois to yeah, see this. Huh? My boy did uh, six years in the Navy. Okay. And he's out now. But yeah. About eight years ago. And so when you say Superman of the Year, what does that mean? Every year, that's like a you know, it's a Mr. Superman. They have a guy that they have all these guys dress up in Superman outfits. Oh, okay. And whoever's the best one acts the best, I guess, you know, nerds it up the best. Does okay. Whatever. So it's like a cosplay yeah. contest. Then. Yeah, something okay. like that. I wasn't sure if it was that or if it was like where they honor one person who like did the most charity a year or something, but it's no, an actual cosplay contest. But I okay. think they do that. They make appearances and do stuff like that. Cool. That's I haven't really read too much into that part, but. 
I I am very interested in going there one day because they do have one Superman museum that has over 75,000 oh, wow. pieces that you can go see. So that's kind of like your Graceland. Yeah. Yeah. And they, I've been to Graceland. So, but it's, but it's not your actual Graceland. But your Graceland you, is in Metropolis. My Graceland is Metropolis, Illinois, and I haven't even been there. Damn it. Wow. That's I, awesome. I'll get there. Now, when you go, would you like dress up in cosplay? If I was skinny enough, yes. Okay. But <laughs> all right. Let's, let's say, let's say you go next year and you're not skinny enough. I know, I know you'd rather go as Superman, but if you couldn't, but you can go as another character from the comic series, who would you go as? Mr. Incredible. Mr. Incredible. Before he comes out of retirement. What are you talking about um, <laughs> from the Incredibles? That's not DC, though. I know it isn't. No, I'm talking I'm about just kidding. Superman Universe, man. Well, with my size and my build, Doomsday. I was just thinking that, actually, yeah. I just put a Doomsday mask on and walk around. Which, which makes sense, because if you cannot be Superman, even though you want to, be the one character that actually has killed him. Has, well, killed each other, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. Knocked each other into a Kryptonian coma is how I like to put it. Right, right. Yes, when the comic originally was released, yes, it did come out. He would, they were dead. They both died, whatever. Mm-hmm. I get it. But then all the Superman fans raised all holy hell. They brought him back, and they had to... They had yeah, to, I remember know, that come. whole storyline. Was, it was ridiculous. <laughs> it was terrible with the four different colors and then oh, different... Oh, yeah. yeah. It was terrible. Well, let's get into something actually more along the lines of our topic. Absolutely. Okay, so uh, today's episode is going to be a doubleheader. A twofer. Two for the price of one. We are covering the Murfreesboro Muddy Monster and the Enfield Horror. Yes, and I am glad we are because, like I said, when I gave you the research for the Mud Monster to look into it and see if you'd like to do it, I know that, uh, you know, it wasn't a whole lot. So I am really, really glad you dug this one up because I had not heard of the Enfield Horror and I'm looking forward to learning about it. And see, I I had heard of the infield horror before. Um, I think I'd heard inklings of the Murfreesboro monster. I don't remember him being called the Muddy Monster, but uh, I think what most people think of infield, at least those that are into the paranormal and or supernatural, they think of the infield poltergeist, which is a great topic and has been researched multiple times and has a lot of great research out there. But that is a UK story. And we stick to the Jolly good old, old England. Yeah, we stick to the good old U.S. of A. That is correcto. So we are covering, unless of course our news stories, of course, carry outside oh, yeah. the borders. Those They're, are worldwide. They, they know rules there. No, those can be wherever <laughs> they they can be from Mars. Who knows? You know. As a matter of fact, today's story is from the U.K. Oh, there we go. Look at that synchronicity. Synchronicity. All right. Well, what do you say before we get into the main story? Let's get into the weird news of the day. I got a weird one today, and I don't even know how I'm going to get through this one, brother. All right. Well, let's see, let's see what you got for us, James. Oh, no. This... Wait a minute. I just saw the title. Oh, Lord. <laughs> this is this is awesome. This is no kidding, folks, and I am sorry. Not really. No, he's not, you're not sorry. I'm, I'm telling you, this one, I just busted out laughing because, you know, a lot of times on this show yeah, and the, in the episodes we've done, we've talked about a lot of, of uh, subjects that are real downers. You know, they're, they... 
you know, true crime stories and stuff that we've done, they're interesting, but they're sad. So every once in a while, I like to do something to lift the spirit a little bit. Okay. Like we did the goat story on a previous oh, episode. Yeah, that was I thought was cool. Yeah, was Loving great. when animals take over. Yeah. This one here takes animals to a whole different level. Okay. <laughs> Let's hear it. This is from The Sun. A This article is actually... Uh, I don't even know how to go about Don't this. know how to go start it. This is going to be funny as hell. Okay. It's from a paper called The Sun in the UK. The name of today's article... Should I say weird news of the day? And this is extraordinarily weird news. Yes, it is. It's called Spank the Monkey. (laughs) (laughs) The ghost of a masturbating ape haunts the hallways of a grand country estate in Dorset. Okay, let's just now, let's just say let's give him the title of weirdest ghost ever. Okay. This is this definitely is probably the weirdest news yet or I ever. Mean, some of the some of the news we've had before on this previous episodes has been you know pretty darn strange. Some of it not so strange, but this one here, this one's the uh, front runner for quite a while. But anyway, the story goes. The haunted Athelhampton Hall is a popular wedding venue with romantic spook hunters. It's a wedding hall? Apparently. Oh, my God. Be a hell of a guest to have at the wedding, wouldn't it, brother? (laughs) The ghost of a randy monkey haunts the halls of a grand English country estate where romantic spook hunters flock to tie the nut. Titillated tourists can often hear the saucy specter laughing while masturbating in the Athelhampton Hall in Dorset near Dorchester. So not only does he masturbate, but he laughs He's while <laughs> masturbating. He's a wacky kind of guy this there, is Chris. the greatest <laughs> monkey ever. <laughs> the estate is considered one of the most haunted in the UK. Always a good thing. Always. And the spooky venue even has soul-searching couples clamoring to have their weddings held there in the hopes of having the pervy primate appear in the background of their pictures. Oh, my gosh. Really? Wow. Wow. The lovable apes' afterlife antics have helped the hall to be named as one of the most haunted houses in England after being listed on We Buy Any Homes list of the nine most ghostly properties. That's a weird number. Nine most? That's one nine out of ten. most. Just do ten. The, the 15th century house was originally built by the Martin family, whose crest featured an excited monkey sitting on a tree stump. <laughs> wow. Oh, my God. Oh, Lord have mercy. The estate's motto was, he who looks at Martin's ape, Martin's ape will look at him. So weird. Spank you, Spanky Helperton. Thank you very much. That's right. And ever since, the horny ghost of Martin's monkey has haunted the sprawling country pile, making it a go-to destination for curious phantom fanatics. Now, I'm going to interject for two seconds here before I continue this story. Who in the hell would want... You know what? I take that back. I, don't, I think I would even go and get a uh-huh. kick out of this shit. That that last <laughs> sentence made it sound like a parody of, like, Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Carswell! The, your monkey's masturbating all over the gold! Uh, that's ridiculous. One tourist, dad of three, John Morrison, 41, from Derby, who took his entire family to the estate, spoke excitedly about the spanking spook. Spanking spook. See, they're trying to, trying to trip me up here. That is a great name for a band. Go he on. said, and I quote, We heard that Martin the monkey who haunts the house loves to scratch his privates while swinging around. Nobody said nothing about scratching. Uh, that's that's what they call it back then, I guess. Or, I get or they call it over there, scratching the privates. And also quoted, we didn't see him, which is a shame, because it would have been a real sight. 
Yeah, I bet. Mm -hmm. Apparently, he's not terrifying. Quite friendly is what we've heard. According to the local legend, the unconventional Martin family did have a pet ape which was free to wander the halls. And when one of the Martin's daughters had an unhappy love affair and decided to kill herself, the compassionate monkey began following her around. Weird. Jeez. Yeah, that's weird. Now, wait a minute. Uh-huh. Following her around after she decided to kill herself? Yeah. Oh, maybe she hadn't done it yet, and the monkey was following her around. Right. She decided, to talk her she out. Had, yeah. I got it. She wait, climbed- wait, wait, did you say that he followed her around and tried to talk her out of it? You're saying the <laughs> monkey was talking to her? To- hey, it... Go on, let's go on. <laughs> let's go on let's with go it, on. all right. When she climbed a set of hidden stairs to a secret room, the ape trailed behind and watched as she took her own life with the door bolted. Poor monkey. By the time the family's search of the house and grounds eventually located the room, the ape had starved to death next to her body. Oh, oh poor baby. That sucks. You know, poor ape. But you know what? Loyalty in animals, man, I'm telling you, they're better than humans. But now its ghost haunts the halls, often scratching at the paneling of the secret room and staircase in an eternal frantic attempt to escape. Bless its heart. But the monkey is not alone. The house is reputed to have six other ghosts, all human. Now, where did they come from? Okay, that sounds like a reality show. It does. Six ghosts, six, six human ghosts. ghosts, and a monkey ghost. Six ghosts and a monkey. We need to make that happen. <laughs> Sci-fi, make it happen. That's right. We want credit, we want the rights, and we want to do the narration. And I want to be the monkey. Go on. Athelhampton has long been known as a haunted spot and featured on TV's Most Haunted in 2002. Is there anybody here? Oh, Lord. Oh, my God. I know you remember that one. I do. Derek, always choking to death. God bless him. Yeah. Rest, rest in peace, Derek. I know he died. Yeah. He passed away here a little while back. Anyway, moving on. Moving on. There has been a structure on site since Saxon times. Andrea Cook, who has lived in the house with her family for more than 20 years, said she had witnessed, quote, all sorts of odd and inexplicable things. But while many have a rational explanation, she said, quote, there are always some which do not. The most recent was a dark hooded figure which rushed past one of our cleaners. On first sighting, she assumed she had imagined it, but ten minutes later it came towards her again, up the old servant's staircase, and hurried past her into the bathroom. Maybe it Guess was he a, had to go. He had, you gotta go, you gotta go. <laughs> I guess so. She was terribly excited about it, having never witnessed such a thing. What this was makes no sense at all. It is a figure our youngest son has seen on a couple of occasions, but the cleaner was unaware of this at the time. Creepy. Despite all this, it was an amazing place to live. It's a beautiful home. We are all happy here, and generally it has a lovely atmosphere in spite of the stories. But on the odd occasion when something does occur, and I must stress, it is only occasionally, it reminds you that there are some things which are beyond our understanding. Yes, like a masturbating monkey. That's that's beyond my understanding for sure. <sighs> that's crazy. A spokesperson from We Buy Any Homes said, <laughs> I would love to <laughs> love see that. this. We buy any homes. Okay, you you said it yourself, right? Now, what are there any problems with the home? Yeah, I would just, I would just, I, I love to see the look on on the realtor's face when he gets that call, and the person on the line tells him, uh, "Yeah, we also have the ghost of a masturbating monkey." Just the look on the person's face, like, "Okay, we'll buy it. That's fine. We'll buy it." Yes. <laughs> so, whether you believe in ghosts or not, it's undeniable that in some places, for whatever reason, just gives us the creeps. Whether it is the old-fashioned decor, the eerie silence that hangs over the property, or the footsteps on the landing in the, in the dead of night, some properties give the feeling that they may be occupied by something or someone else. 
like a monkey. Like a monkey. Andrea said that when her sons were younger, their friends refused to sleep over at <laughs> and all because of doors being agitated. Figures at the end of the of the bed. Figures stood in doorways. The sound of rapid footsteps. <laughs> <laughs> Something else rapid going on there too. <laughs> Backwards and forwards in your bedroom. Uh, I'm thinking is this. <laughs> yeah, those, that's what I'm hearing. Like Sonny, those aren't footsteps that are being uh, being done rapidly. All right, brother. Now that is the end of the story. Now I I know you know during the. Uh, the editing process and all this. They're not, the many times I busted up trying to do this. That's, oh my that's, gosh. <laughs> that, that was the greatest story you ever have brought or ever will bring because nothing will top it. The spank the monkey, the masturbating monkey. That is, it's spank great. the monkey. I love and, it. And the fact that he's a ghost. Not, it, it, it'd be funny enough <laughs> if he was just a masturbating monkey in a castle. But then the fact that he's a a masturbating ghost monkey. That that's just something I've never. We've been doing paranormal for how long? Years, like a decade at least. Yeah, together. Yeah, and then and I know you studied it even longer than that. I mean, I've studied about it all my life, and it wasn't even really get serious until like two thousand. But I've never ever I've heard never of this. Ever heard of a masturbating ghost monkey? It's fantastic. I love this. This is hilarious. If I'm somebody, going. To, I'm going to this damn house if I ever get over there. If any of our listeners wants to draw some art of the masturbating monkey, please email it to us. <laughs> Podcast at gmail.com. I want to see your interpretations of Martin the Masturbating Monkey. What are you talking about? This is a serious show, sir. This is a serious show, but this this serious show is got a masturbating monkey, and that's hilarious. I love it. I love it. Well, if I can get a if I can get a spectral image of him, I might put it in the feed. That works for me. Yeah, that'd be that's great. Okay, so now we move on from masturbating monkeys to a whole different type of horror. <laughs> now, if you're going to keep saying that, I'm going to keep thinking of it. I, just, I can't help with that. That we... story was, you get the gold star award for the best story ever, James. <laughs> but it was like... <laughs> it was great. I love it. I loved it. I loved it. Okay, oh, so... Geez. Now, um, the information for tonight's episode came from a large variety of sources. I'm not going to name them here, but I will put them in the show notes so you'll find them there. Let's just okay. So the two creatures we're covering tonight are, like I said, are the Murfreesboro Muddy Monster and the Infield Horror. Both took place in 1973 within a time frame of about four months, and were about 70 miles from each other. And the odd thing is that the description of both are completely different. Yeah, I did notice that. But it's very interesting that they both happen so close to each other within the same time frame. And normally, you would expect the descriptions to match if if you know it was the same creature but apparently illinois had two completely different creatures running around their backwoods in 1973 at the same time that's right so on the evening of april 25th 1973 a young boy named greg garrett was playing in his backyard his evening playtime however would soon be interrupted by a monstrosity called the infield horror his parents were inside watching tv and enjoying the spring night when suddenly Greg burst in through the door to tell them an incredible story. Crying and hysterical, Greg told his parents that a monster, about four or five feet tall, not as tall as a Bigfoot, so not a Bigfoot creature, ran past him while he was playing in the backyard. He said it was gray with slimy skin, had big red eyes, 
short little arms with claws and three legs. Now, that is a weird description because three legs. Now, I have seen some of the photos that we, we um, during the research, yeah. I've seen some of the photos, and it looks like that two-legged, it, it almost looks like the two-legged pig lizard from Galaxy Quest. Yeah. The, the, the if, artist, I'm pick, if I'm trying to pick something The artist's rendition looks like, looks like that yeah. for sure. Yeah. It's very strange looking. When the monster ran past him, it stepped on his feet and tore through his shoes with its claws. Ouch. Yeah. Thankfully, it didn't hurt the boy, though. Good. While Greg's parents were deciding whether or not he was telling the truth, Garrett's neighbor would have their own encounter with the horror. Henry McDaniel and his wife came home about 9.30 p.m. to find their two children, Henry Jr. and Little, freaking out. They told them that something was scraping on the outside of the house trying to get in. Henry Sr. had no time to dismiss their tale, for he suddenly heard a scratching sound coming from the outside. He grabbed his pistol and ran outside and came face to face with the horror. Dun, dun, dun. dun, dun I dun. had to throw that one in, sorry. So, <laughs> <laughs> Senior McDaniel's description to the police of the monster matched that of Greg Garrett's. Quote, it had three legs on it, a short body, two little short arms coming out of its breast area, and two pink eyes as big as flashlights. It stood four and a half feet tall and was grayish color. It was trying to get into the house. After the initial shock wore off, Senior opened fire at the creature, and he was sure that he hit it. However, it seemed that the shot had no effect on the monster, as the monster hissed like a wildcat and jumped away, covering a distance of 75 feet in three hops, and disappeared by nearby railroad tracks. Possible alien creature? Possible alien creature, yeah. Since the hopping also reminds me of uh, spring Jack, another UK uh, yeah. creature. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Senior McDaniel called the police department, but Illinois State Troopers came out to investigate instead. Their investigation found scratch marks on the outside of McDaniel's home, which appeared fresh, as well as a set of three footprints with prominent claw marks but little else. Okay. Now, pardon my interjection here, but if you call the local police and the state troopers come in, that tells me they've they've automatically escalated it to a higher authority mm-hmm. which means they probably were already chasing this thing or probably. knew of its existence or they had already had had a few calls prior to mcdaniels and at that point since they had a certain number of calls they went ahead and escalated since it's a state police jurisdiction i right. guess maybe yeah. if they were on the case that's why they showed up instead but you're right if you get the state troopers just, out instead it's i just find that weird that yeah. you call the local police but the state troopers came instead but with no other explanation so i'm just wondering you know, like i said if they already knew it was and they're like oh hell here we go again and i think it's i think it's awesome that they actually found you know some uh, evidence they found you know yeah. uh, footprints and claw marks i mean that's that great. is that is very cool The footprints were about four inches wide, with the third print slightly smaller than the other two. In the following days, McDaniel would tell his story to anyone that would listen, and soon, self-appointed monster hunters began to swarm Enfield. The sudden influx of these hunters, quote-unquote, caused White County Sheriff Roy Posher Jr. to threaten McDaniel with jail time if he continued to tell his story. Okay, now why would... Why would he do that? Threaten, yeah. I'm going to get to that. Some of these monster hunters further fueled the frenzy of monster rumors with bizarre sightings of their own. Two hunters from Indiana by the names of Mike Mogul and Roger Tappy claimed to have seen what they described as a large, quote, gray monkey dashing through the underbrush, which had moved too quickly for them to get a good shot out. But no, is not the masturbating monkey. It's a whole different thing. (laughs) 
In another incident, five hunters were arrested for hunting violations and as a threat to public safety after they opened fire in unison on what they would later claim had been a gray, hairy creature they had spotted in the woods. That's why he threatened McDaniel to stop because these crazy, crazy people with guns were coming through this small town and just firing at anything. That's true. Kind of like the silver, the Stephen King silver bullet mob. Yes, exactly. Where every, where every redneck in the town that had right. a shotgun was out there in the forest in the mob. Exactly. That's exactly yeah. right. And this, and that was now, a, that was a threat to public safety. Now tell me something else here. All of a sudden, the creature's appearance has changed because when the boys saw it, it was a slick. Right. Now it's hairy. But both of these um, sightings by the hunters both indicated that it was too fast for them to get a good look at. So you know, if they're looking at it and it's very fast, they probably just assume that it was hairy. Harry, or perhaps another one of the same kind of creature. Perhaps the shiny sheen that Garrett had seen in the moonlight, you know, in, in a very fast motion, could look like hair. I guess so, yeah. yeah. The hunters even claimed to have hit it, but that their bullets had no effect whatsoever, much like McDaniel. The hiss. Yeah. I'm not, I thought I'd do the hiss for That's you. Perfect, I love it. The sheriff didn't believe a word of it and considered them to be just a posse of gun-toting thrill-seekers, which they were, quote, out drinking and raising hell. Something tells me the sheriff has encountered this creature it scared the crap out of him, so he's just playing. He's uh, playing the denial card, you know, I guess. To play your conspiracy card, what if he was told by the state troopers not to let anybody catch this thing? Possibly, or even state troopers. They could even be higher, or the they could be Illinois, feds. Illinois, they could be yeah. feds in Illinois. You know, the, you never know. The Illinois Bureau of Investigation. Yeah. Here we go, man. On Sunday, May sixth, Rick Rainbow, great name, the <laughs> then director of radio station WWKI in Kokomo, Indiana was in town to search for the monster with some friends and claimed to have seen a five-and-a-half-foot gray stooped-over creature. Okay, the creature's getting bigger now. It's getting bigger. Now, again, uh, Garrett, even though he's a child... I guess he did he, say four He said to four s- to five. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And uh, McDaniel Sr. said it was about four-and-a-half. So it, it's within you. the range. Okay. Yeah. Running through the woods by the McDaniel's home. The creature moved at an unnatural speed, but Rainbow has claimed to have captured the creature's eerie shriek on tape, but later lost the tape. Fabulous. I know, great. Senior McDaniel would see the monster one last time that same day, May 6th. Senior McDaniel woke up late in the night to the neighbor's dogs barking and went to investigate. When he went outside, there was the creature walking down the nearby infield railroad tracks. Senior McDaniel watched silently as the creature walked out of sight, and that was the last time the infield horror was seen. Over a month later, and 70 miles to the southwest in the town of Murfreesboro. A strange monster called the Mud Monster would follow the example set by the infield horror. Its appearance would be brief but unforgettable for its residents. The first encounter with the Murfreesboro Mud Monster occurred on June 25, 1973 by Randy Needham and Judy Johnson. That night they were parked near a boat ramp on the Big Muddy River at about midnight when suddenly an incredibly loud scream rang out. Was it a monkey? I think it was a monkey. Oh, boy. Coming from the nearby woods, shattering the stillness of the night. As Needham and Johnson looked in the direction of the scream, they saw it. The creature made itself known. They described it as an estimated 7 feet tall and 350 pounds. A terrifying sight covered with light-colored fur, which was matted with mud, and had glowing pink eyes, and it was coming straight at them. The couple quickly started the car and left the area. Now, I will interject at this point. Okay. In most horror movies, the car never starts. Yeah, thankfully it's real life. In real thankfully life... Thankfully it's real life, the car actually starts and they got the hell out. Unless the car is a junker, it starts usually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, let's also uh, make note of the fact that this thing was 
at least two feet taller than the Enfield Horror. And, and lighter in color and furry. And weighed a whole lot more. Yeah. I mean, I don't, there, there was never any weight associated with the infield, but from the size, it didn't seem like it was 350 pounds. No telling. They immediately drove to the police department to report what they had seen. Naturally, the police were skeptical, but in the end, they sent two officers, Merrill Lindsay and Jimmy Nash, to the scene to look for any evidence. They found footprints, big footprints, some 12 inches long. Now, wait a minute. I've got bigger feet than that. You, you have bigger than 12 I have a, thir- size, I have a size 13 foot. That's huh. basically 13. So, yeah, 12 inches. Well, I think the average foot's like a 9, so 12 is still kind of big. I guess. While inspecting the footprints found, James Nash reportedly heard, quote, the most incredible shriek that was no bobcat or screech owl. The same shrieking that Needham and Johnson reported and heard what sounded like a large creature splashing through the water, but were not able themselves to glimpse it. No other sightings would be reported that night. Christian Barrow was playing in his backyard the very next night, June 26. The four-year-old boy came bolting into the house, telling his parents that he had seen a big white ghost. Once again, while his parents contemplated whether they should believe the boy, their neighbors would be paid a visit by the creature. You seen the, uh, the synchronicity going on here, the similarities yeah. between the two different stories? I am indeed. Ten minutes after Christian's sighting, neighbors Randy Creeth and Cheryl Ray were on their back porch enjoying the night air when they saw the monster for themselves. Randy and Cheryl would describe the monster the exact same way Christian did to his parents. Randy, 17, was the son of a state trooper and even sketched the creature for the officers. According to Randy, he was as tall as that tree. It took me 15 minutes to get scared, but then it really hit me. The thing I remembered was the bulk of it, the shape, the human form, and the stench of the river slime it apparently had on it. It was about eight feet tall and at least as stocky as a New York football player. All the New York football players come from Texas. That's right. Texas, boy. We were within 15 feet of it, close enough to see the body, the texture of the fur, long and hairy, like an English sheepdog. It was at that point that police chief Toby Berger ordered his entire 14-man force out for a night-long search. Dog trainer Jerry Nellis brought his 80-pound German Shepherd Reb out to aid the search. Reb would find gobs of black slime, like sewage sludge, on a direct line between the river and the Ray house. Reb would lead officers to an abandoned barn, but upon entering they found nothing, and that would be the last sighting of 1973. Two years later, 1975. It returns. The creature would be seen in the Harrison area north of Murfreesboro. So he's territorial, at least. He's definitely has some sort of migrating but a two-year two-year gap huh yeah yeah. later that year two chuckers claimed to have seen it west of murfreesboro at the junction of highways 149 and 3 also that same year tom hill grand tower restaurant owner displayed the plaster cast of an extraordinarily large peculiarly shaped footprint in his restaurant he told inquiring visitors that the cast had been brought in by a boy scout group and had been made from tracks in the oakwood bottoms a swampy, spooky area along Highway 3 near Grand Tower and not too far from the above-mentioned junction of Highway 3 and 149. As Hale was known as a practical joker, some of the viewers scoffed and called it a fake. Of course they do. Well, you know, he's a practical joker, so sometimes you can't believe him. Yeah, yeah, man, you're full of crap. Also, in 1975, the Miller Carnival was set up in Riverside Park, not too far from the previous sighting of the monster. This sounds like a good setup for a horror movie. It really does. It really does, yeah. <laughs> the ponies used for riding by the youngsters who came to the park were tethered to bushes on the riverbank. Suddenly, the ponies shied, rolled their eyes, and raised their heads in an effort to pull free of their ropes. 
three carnival workers, Otis Norris, Ray Atkerson, and Wesley Lavender, walked around the truck, and right there, standing upright in the darkness, was what they described as a three to four hundred pound creature growling fearsomely. Sounds like me when I'm hungry. <laughs> or at three in the morning. Yeah. Well, I'm between three and four hundred pounds, and I have a size thirteen foot. You are a you are the muddy monster, my friend. <laughs> and with your beard growing, you can just you know yeah, you're, just you're let it keep going. Yeah, that's right. The workers retreated and sounded the alarm. Townspeople and outsiders stalked the area with loaded guns, forcing the authorities to close the park. The carnival had an alarm. Uh, probably, yeah. Maybe like a fire <laughs> alarm, maybe you know. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe, maybe somebody just just one of those uh, hand crank alarms, you know. <laughs> A newspaper reporter commented that as southern Illinois is a hunting country and hunters own guns, if the creature was human, it or he was likely to come to harm if the whole affair was a hoax. About the same time, two youths near the McIlvane School on the outskirts of North Murfreesboro reported seeing it while gigging frogs along the Big Muddy River. And a logger near Cairo, at the extreme southern tip of the state where the Ohio and Mississippi rivers converge, reported seeing a monster along the Ohio River levee. The monster made another appearance in 1988 in a salvage area in Ava to a couple of men, then was seen by several members of their families. It also appeared to a couple of men gigging frogs in 1988. Seems to be a uh, quite a common pastime. Gigging huh? frogs yeah. while driving their Chevys to the levee. Nice. Something like that? Something like that. Yeah. Okay. And steadily tapered off from that point until no sighting past 1988 had been reported. Probably died. Probably, yeah. And that is the end of the Murfreesboro and Enfield Horror Monster they, stories. Those, those are very brief histories. Two very interesting creatures indeed, but very brief histories. And such different like different contrasting um, descriptions. One is Absolutely. short, the three legs, yep. and it's slimy. The other one is tall, muddy, but like 350 pounds. Yeah, I'm no seven feet though, but yeah. But I mean, <laughs> it's so interesting that the both of these things happen... Within close proximity to each other. Yeah. And in the same time period, but were so different that they left a lasting impression upon all those few people that saw it. They certainly did. And that lasted for decades because these were the 70s. 70s. Yeah. yeah, 73. Yeah. So it's an enduring story. Yeah. And a lot of these stories that are a lot of the uh, articles that I pulled for research were articles that were done in the last like 10, 15 years. So this, this thing is still being talked Sweet. about to this day. Yeah. Well, each state likes to keep their legends alive, I believe. That's a good point. That's a good point. You know, you know, good for tourism and stuff like that. Although people aren't, you know, there's a lot of people out there these days are not looking to run into a seven foot tall hairy Bigfoot I would in rather, a swamp. I'd rather I'd rather run into a four foot three legged goblin <laughs> or whatever it was. Speaking yeah. of goblins, that the uh, the story of the Enfield Horror had a very similar, or at least one point that was similar to the Hopkinsville Goblins. I don't know if you're familiar with them. No, I'm not. So the Hopkins, Hopkinsville, uh, Kentucky, uh, we may get into that, but it, that one's actually been covered quite a bit in the, the uh, TV series, or not TV series, Amazon series. Um, uh, the, the, the new Kirks did it. It's called Hellier. Okay. Uh, but anyway, the... Hopkinsville goblins occurred in Kentucky in, I forget the year, but it was the, the story of a family in a house who see what looks like a UFO and all of a sudden they are besieged upon by these like two or three foot goblin looking creatures who surround their house. They fire at them repeatedly and each time they fire, it, if it does hit one of the creatures, it bounces them back. And they get up and they run away. It doesn't. It doesn't affect them at all. Really. And supposedly the entire 
the entire raid lasted the entire night. Wow! Yeah. So they were fi- they were firing weapons at these things at the and thing. not outside them. of the yeah from inside their house and and not hitting and they were hitting some but when they would hit them one reporter saying that he hit he hit the goblin dead on the goblin rolled backwards got up and floated away huh yeah floated huh yeah one report from the night stated that as I forget which which family member it was as he walked outside the front porch there was a goblin on the roof and the goblin reached down and grabbed his hair. This is probably why extraterrestrial life doesn't even attempt to contact us, because it seems like every time humans come into contact with something they don't understand, they try to freaking kill it. We get the guns out. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, if something attacked me, then I'd let my fifty caliber burrito loose on it. And you would be... If, if it was a goblin or an infield horror, it would do no damage, unfortunately. It would just... It would, well, it would we'd see. Get up and, and, and just kind of brush shooting, it off. And well, they're shooting pea shooters at it. It's a fifty caliber round, so it'll put a hole through an engine block. So. I don't know. I, I mean, don't know. I don't know. Because there are a lot of stories of people who are out hunting with, with uh, rifles and shotguns who come across Bigfoot, who fire, hit it dead on, and nothing happens. Well, first of all, he's got one hell of a thick hide. And, 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 and again, why do they immediately try to kill... Because that's human nature, man. Stupid. Human nature. All right, James. Well, why don't you tell the uh, fine folks at home where they can find us? I'll be glad to, Mr. Chris. They can find us on the fourthhand.com media network. Please join us there. We have lots of other great shows, uh, plus our sister show, What the Suck. Yes. Uh, Check them out. Lots of great people. And you can also find us on Facebook, The Big Evil, and on Instagram. And if you'd like to follow me, I still have a little bit of space left you on my Facebook. While you can. Yeah. I shed about 22 or 23 people a few days ago. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> making room. Yep, making some room. Um, but I am at James E. Bishop Third, and I am also on Instagram at James Bishop III. You can find the podcast, of course, on any platform, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, Chris is a fan YouTube. I always forget to say YouTube. I always forget it. We're it. on there. But we're on there. Chris has done an outstanding job of getting us out there in all these different areas and all these different platforms. So give us a check, you know, check yeah, us out. Please do. There's uh review, rate, give us some comments. Do, oh yeah. You know, let us know what you think. Review the episode. If let you us- guys have a uh personal encounter. Yes. If you want to share or you want us to play on the podcast, you can email them to us at stateoffearpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we prefer that you email them in audio format. Please. Preferably wave or MP3. They can be anywhere from uh, three minutes to five minutes to 15 minutes, uh, as long as, as it's short enough that it can be emailed. Now, if your story is longer and it cannot be emailed, just email us. And let us know that you have a long story, and I will get back to you, and we will figure out something to get get us a story. And like I said, uh, this is the Illinois episode, so if you know, if you've got a personal story from any of the uh, states, because I mean, we're going to go through, yeah, we're going to go, we're going to go all the way to Wyoming before we start this thing over again, anyway. Yeah. yeah. So once we hit Wyoming, we'll go all the way around. It does not matter if your state has already been covered yes we'll get it on the next go back around to it uh and like i said it'll take some time but we still love to have your story if we haven't done it yet get them in as as soon as you can and we will get them included in an upcoming episode and this is any story whether you live there or even just visited there and something weird happened whether it was paranormal whether you had a run-in with a serial killer or a cannibal or a criminal or you you went there and you had something happen that is can be considered a miracle but it happened in the state 
get us a story. We want to, we want to hear it, and our our listeners want to hear it too. Absolutely. All right, buddy. Well, this was a lot of fun, and I look forward to our next great state adventure. Me too, man. This is so much fun. And uh, we'll see you guys in uh, the next state. We'll see you down the road, folks. Oh, and don't forget to stay tuned for the personal encounter stories coming up right now. Hi, my name is Maria. The following happened to our family around 1995. My daughter had, when we lived in Illinois, she was a kindergartner at the time, and her grandmother lived with us. She was very elderly on hospice. Well, one evening, I ran my daughter's bath water and walked away, got her clothes and that, and I saw her run into the bathroom. You know, I was a little busy, and um, I saw her run back out again, and she looked a bit scared. So I scooped her up, walked in there, and the water was scalding, and I asked her, you know, did you try to go into the bathtub? Is that why you got scared? She goes, no, no, no. Let her cool off, gave her her bath, you know, went on with our lives. Well, go forward many years. She's a young adult, um, packing for a move. And she saw a picture and she grabbed it and she's like, who's that man? And I looked at the picture and said, well, that's your grandpa. And she looked at him and she goes, that's the man I saw in the bathroom that night when I was little, that scared me. And she said she saw him sitting in the living room and she'd seen him in her grandma's room sitting next to her. And I go, yeah, he loved her a lot and he was always around. I didn't know that you could see him. I knew he was there. But it goes to show you that children very young don't have a clear definition between the two existence of this life and the next. She saw him clear as can be. Um, at first she wasn't scared because she thought it was her daddy because he looked a lot like her, like her daddy. Um, but then when she said, I stared at him for a little bit and I could see he looked a little different and that's when I got scared. And I said, well, I wish you had told me there was nothing to be scared of. But there you go. That's our personal story. Thank you. 